listening to The Gentleman's Guide to Midnight Cinema with Big Willie and the Samurai, bringing class to trash since GGTMC, we are on the air, and uh, I am large. I am large William. He is a samurai, of course, <laughs> and uh, we're off to Rocking report. And rolling. <laughs> yeah, and we'd like to welcome our uh, guest this week. One, uh, I guess we'll call him Davy Mac. Can we call him that? Yeah. <laughs> Howdy, gentlemen. <laughs> there he is. Hello, sir. Good to have him on the show. Good friend of the show. Been uh, very active on the Facebook group for a long time. And uh, yeah, it's good to have you on the show, man. So welcome, welcome aboard. Thanks. It's uh, I'm really happy to be here, and you know I appreciate you letting me come on and everything. That's been uh, yeah, it's just been a real cool thing. My uh, my friend uh, Sleepy Chris, that uh, I think she's she's been on the show a couple times, but was a part of Girls on Film. She, you know, just kind of told me, man, you need to get on this thing uh, about a year and a half ago. And got to say, you know, I've learned so much uh, just about film and in general, and just a lot of stuff that. Uh, it just broadened my knowledge in that respect, but uh, also, and you know, love all the attendance shows too. But uh, you know, really kind of felt, feel like I've you know made some really good friends too. So it's uh, yeah, no, it's it's a pleasure to be here, man. Thanks. Nice, nice. I didn't know. I didn't know actually that Chris was the one that turned you on to the show. I didn't know that. I don't know why I didn't know that. But that's cool. Yeah. 
we worked together for oh god i don't know i mean i've known her for going on 20 years now but uh nice. but she's she's a, an amazing person yes she really she's is an amazing person you gotta meet her sometime man she is she is something else so I would love to. I'd love to give her a hug. She's been such a vital part of our community, and sure is. and you could just you know some people you're like you were saying you you made a lot of friendships. She's one that I know both Sammy and I really um, respect and admire. She's a sweet, kind person, and yep. and uh, it's always great to have people like that in the world. Yep. When I think of the word darling. I think of Chris. <laughs> she, she's a she's a she's a darling. That's what she is to me. I mean, she's just a sweetie. Um, you, uh, you couldn't say, couldn't say it better. So. Yep. Uh, okay, so our films this week, uh, Dave is on because he donated to the Kickstarter routine, or the regime, or the uh, campaign, however you want to say it, and uh, so he got to program the show, so he selected a couple of uh, doozies, so to speak, uh, Over the Edge, 1979, directed by one Jonathan Kaplan, and Together Brothers, 1974, directed by one William A. Graham, Billy Graham, yeah. <laughs> so uh, yeah. Who does have an interesting filmography and a ton of credit, which uh, most of it's television, but uh, yeah, we'll talk about that a little later. But uh, as always, it's time to get into what we've been watching, so we are gentlemen on the show. We kick it over to the guest. <laughs> Davey, what have you been watching lately? Well, um, I just I, I picked uh, just a, a few things, um, but uh, I, I've been uh, kind of raiding the big lots uh, lately, and um, I found a... Uh, a local one that had a, a you know, pretty good selection and, and just some stuff I couldn't pass up. So, um, the, yeah. Uh, and I, I just, I, I picked a few out of the, the ones I got here, but, but, uh, I mean, the, the first thing, uh, that I was going to mention is, is, uh, the Errol Flynn adventures of Robin hood, uh, oh, uh, nice. man, you know, I'd seen this movie a bunch of times, uh, as a kid and, and, you know, I've seen it over the years and everything, but, uh, and, you know, and I always loved it and it was like my dad's favorite movie. And, uh, but, uh, Man, this movie is just something else. It's like it's almost like you know, man, you could just stop making action movies after you make this movie because it's yeah. it's so much fun and so you know, I mean, it, it's just so pacey and you know, it just never stops and it's it's just you know one cool line after another and you know uh, just everybody's afraid in it, uh, but man, Flynn is just just so magnetic and uh, it just. So amazing in the action scenes. He's like, you know, friggin' Spider-Man. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just yeah. Just like crop a wall and, you know, jump over tables and stuff. Yeah, but, it's a uh, personal favorite anyway, of mine, too. I love it. It's, man, that, uh, there's a banquet scene where he just kind of, uh, well, it's, it's, uh, you know, illegal to kill a deer in, in Sherwood Forest. So, uh, he, uh, storms into, uh, Claude Rain's castle with a deer, with a dead deer over his shoulder and just dumps it on the table and, then, and basically, uh, you know, tells everybody in the room that they're a, a traitor to the king or whatever. And, yeah. uh, the Maid Marian character says, uh, you know, it's like one of my all time favorite lines of movies is, uh, uh, you know, you speak treason, sir. And Flynn just responds fluently. You know, it's just yes. like the most badass line ever. Yes. Uh, but anyway, just, yeah, fantastic. Uh, um, I, I would highly recommend it to, to everybody, especially if you can get it for three bucks. It's, uh, yeah. it's got a bunch of cool extra features on it. Nice. Um, but uh, I got that and uh, ended up getting uh, four uh, Shaw Brothers movies from those uh, um, Dragon Dynasty uh, releases. Oh, yeah? And, yeah. And, you know, I, I grew up watching Kung Fu Theater, but that's not really my wheelhouse. And, I mean, I, I, I love watching those movies, but I just never really, you know, explored it to the point where I – you know, knew all the, the actors outside of Gordon Liu or whatever and, yeah. and or directors or whatever. But um, and I always just kind of thought that, that 36 Chambers of Shaolin was or Master Killer or whatever it's called was was the pinnacle, uh-huh. you know. But uh, I got to eight diagram pole fighter 
Oh, and, nice, uh, nice, nice. Man, that thing is something else. <laughs> yeah. It's a, um, yeah, I, I was just really, really floored by that one, and it's taken the top spot for me. But uh, um, just really, you know, it, it's, like I said, it's just great. It's It's got uh, one of the best kind of like hero moment shots ever at the end with Lou and his sister and his, uh, like, sensei squaring off there, but against the bad guys. But anyway, yeah. um, got that one and got uh, Heroes of the East, too, which was uh, one that um, I remembered from, as, I remember seeing this kid and loved it, but, you know, I just, I, I didn't know what the name of it was, and I could just remember the fight sequences. But that one was just a hell of a lot of fun to watch, yeah. um, to watch, too. Um, and... Uh, Oh, I got to I mean, a copy of the uh, the American, but that the, the George Clooney movie. Oh yeah, no yeah. yeah. Uh, really, I mean, I, I I really liked that movie. I mean, I love the the, the just the tone of it and uh, the the location. It's I mean, it's just gorgeous to look at, and uh, and especially the the gal that plays his love interest is more than gorgeous to look at. That's <laughs> she's just a knockout uh, to yeah. say the least. Yeah, so, she's something special. Um, <laughs> I tell you what, um, but uh, you know, really, uh, yeah, really cool movie, and, and uh, it's you know, kind of a throwback to kind of you know, seventies uh, kind of spy thr- thriller stuff that really resounds with me. Um, the only, and again, I, it's I, mean, I totally rec- it's a buy for you know, would be a buy recommend for me for anybody, but uh, it's since it, it it weighs so heavily in in the movie and everything the. Uh, all the scenes where George Clooney's talking about building that rifle and every time it shows the rifle and everything, that's all complete gibberish. <laughs> it's like, it's not a deal breaker for me on the movie, but it's like, I was watching it again. I'm like, what? <laughs> what he's talking? Yeah. It's just like, none of it makes any sense, which who cares? Nobody cares about yeah. that stuff, but, but, uh, but it is kind of funny. Yeah, it's kind of um, gun porn. <laughs> but, uh, but anyway, uh, but yeah, it's like I said, it's, I really, really enjoy that movie. Um, then I watched, uh, um, Alice doesn't live here anymore with uh, nice. Ellen Burstyn, the um, early Scorsese movie, and uh-huh. I'd I'd seen it and and really, uh, you know, I'd seen it earlier and uh, or se- you know se- several times and always thought highly of it, but really just had no, you know, hadn't really concluded any thoughts about it. But man, I just think it's watching it again. I think it's just wonderful. It and is, yeah, it is. I agree. Maybe it's I I, I kind of came to it. Maybe it was looking that I'm a little older and kind of it it. it you know, it resounds with me a little bit better, but uh, just how, you know, kind of desperate and tenuous everything seems. And, and there's that kind of Scorsese menace through the whole thing yeah. <laughs> that, uh, you know, the people that, that uh, you know, especially the, the kind of more abusive relationships that she's in, uh, you know, Cattell and then the, uh, I'm blanking on his name, but the actor that plays her husband at the first part of the film. But, um, uh you know, and and Burston's so great, and uh, you know I, I just thought it was a great movie all the way through. But uh, man, Chris Christopherson is just something else in in this movie. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, he's you know it, I mean I guess nowadays he gets to just play the kind of you know gruff tough guy, um, but uh, you know he's he's just so open and genuine and cool in this movie. I, I just you know I, I, I love that guy, and and uh, you know is a, is a singer and songwriter and uh, and as an actor. Um, I mean that that's a movie Flashpoint that he did with uh, him and Treat Williams at the mid '80s is a real favorite kind of um, thriller of mine. It has been since I was a little kid. And, uh, but uh, but he's just so great in this movie. Nice. Um, so anyway, yeah, another one. Um, and finally, uh, the one I was going to bring up is uh, finally got to see Martyrs. 
Oh, so, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, horror's not, that, that's just kind of not my wheelhouse either. And, and uh, it's, you know, but I, I can't deny a great movie <laughs> I mean, yeah. when, when I watch it. Um, right. It's, uh, it's really something else. And, uh, you know, I, I listened to y'all show about it again, the kind of the, the uh, spoiler show. And, and uh, y'all hit everything that, that really, you know, resounded with me about it. Um, but uh, just, yeah, just incredibly well made. And, and uh, you know, I, I think Kelly had pointed this out. I'd, I'd posted that I bought it. I think they were in the Silver and Gold group, but uh, that, that this version that I've got is the cut version. And I, I guess it cuts like three minutes of it. And when I went back and watched it again, I could actually, you know, I can tell where the cuts are because there's some scenes where just I don't even know what's going on. It's just the stuff doesn't make sense. Right. You know, so, uh, but uh, but anyway, no, I really, you know, like I said, not not uh, not totally my thing, but but uh, but just a really incredible, you know, really well really well made movie. And, yeah. And, uh, I'm glad you dug it. it. I mean, because it, it is harsh. I mean, you know, but I'm glad you got I mean, I'm, I always worry when people see it, you know, because we, we rated it highly. But, uh, you know, we always worry. Well, I do anyway that, you know, it might <laughs> it might offend some people. But, uh, I don't know. It, it's You know, if you look at it as just a film, it's very well made, like you said. Yeah, it's that, and that, that's the whole thing. I mean, it's it could be, you know, anything. You know, uh, I think that, that that's the way you got to. You know, you got to look at it. You know, it's not just, you know, woo, somebody, you know, there's blood or something. That's, you know, that that's not necessarily, I mean, that's not how you determine if something's, you know, has merit or not. You, know, right, you right. got to, you got to take it as a whole, you know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I agree. Anyway, but that's, uh, I mean, that's it for me. I didn't want to, you know, sit there and blather on. <laughs> nice, nice. Large William. Um, let's see what we got. I had a kind of a light week. You know, we're in the, the throes of nice weather. So. I, uh, yeah, the watching is going to be a sort of a four or five movie week, it seems, every week at best. This week I only had, uh, three. Um, they were good. Uh, rewatched, uh, Drunken Master 2, this time with my kids. It was on Sunday night. It was my, my turn to program movie night. Nice. So, uh, I want to drop a little Jackie on them because they keep asking for it and I hadn't, uh, you know, they're four and two years old, so I have to pick things that aren't subbed um, yeah. at this point. Yeah. So I finally got my hands on the uh, the dubbed version of Drunken Master 2. I put it on, and they were, you know, suitably blown away. Um, it, you know, they get, then they get really wild, man. They start getting on the ottoman in the, you know, the basement, and they're running around the room and just going crazy. So they really dubbed it. Um, and like I said, I don't think there's been, you're hard pressed to, to, to find a better martial arts film. I mean, you get two greats of the genre, uh, like Lau Karlong and Jackie Chan. It's, uh, it's hard to top that. So, and I talked about it last week because I had the pleasure of seeing it in theaters. Um, and I do want to take the moment to say, you know, rest in peace to Lau Karlong, who, as I've said, for my money, uh, there was no better, um, Kung Fu filmmaker than him. Uh, I think he, you know, his body of work is astounding. The work he did with his his uh, half brother, you know, god brother, whatever the the familial relationship was, Gordon Liu, um, who thankfully I've heard from for good friend Tim is back on the mend a little bit now. Nice. Um, the work they did cool. together, yeah, very good news. The work they did together uh, is just it's it's a high water mark for the genre. You know, I know you guys are both big fans of a Dragon Bullfighter, as am I. Amongst it, you know. A, an embarrassment of riches. So, 
Um, you know, having my kind of appetite whetted a little bit by, by seeing these movies in the last couple of weeks here, I'm, I'm really uh, looking forward to kind of exploring. You know, again, it, it's not knowing kind of the direct thing and the choreographers and stuff like that. I'm, I'm really looking forward to exploring that guy's um, work as a director and everything and trying to, to get a better handle on that stuff. So it's unfortunate it has to be, you know, after he's passed. But, uh, yeah. Well, better late than never, you know, but... Uh it's one of those. So yeah, I mean, I'm sure between our group and a few other groups that we're friends with, um, for yeah. example, you know, podcast with Honor Humanity, Jakey's show, for sure. And uh, yeah, actually, several se- several folks have already kind of <laughs> lined me out more than I've got more than I can watch already. So. Good stuff. Podcast on fire. Yeah, you know, those guys really know the the genre as well as anyone in the world, I would say. So. Yeah, you know, you always got to, and of course us too. So, I mean, anywhere, you know, you, you're going to be lined up nice. So, um, then it was uh, Williams' turn, no, Braden's turn to program, no, Williams, I guess. Uh, and he picked the animated film Batman versus Dracula. Yeah. Was, I want to say 2005, hmm. maybe. Um, this one was interesting. Uh, you know, you always, you, you, you end up getting questions inevitably from your children that you never think you're going to have to answer. Um you know, uh, about a film, why is this happening, or what is this, or whatever. And with this, William was curious as to why this Dracula was different from the one from Hotel Transylvania. So, <laughs> it, uh, you know, I just am explaining about the mythology of the character and different people have made him a good guy or a bad guy, or blah, blah, blah. And, you know, this one was okay. The animation style was a bit uh, kind of all over the place. It, at times, it was, it was almost like that... Um, that uh, burr, 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 like Super Friends or whatever cartoon where they they all look kind of childlike. Oh yeah, the one that's out now <laughs> with like Thor and Iron Man, all that. It's kind of a cross between that and a Japanese style, which didn't always work for me. I think the the newer stuff that like the past couple of years that they've done with uh, the DC animated films, that animation style has worked really really well. I wish this one had been a bit moodier, but you know, it was still interesting for sure. And it, it wasn't, uh, you know, I did a little research. It didn't seem like it was going to be overly uh, frightening for my kids, and it was not. You know, there's, you know, kind of just some scary eyes and stuff. But even then, it, that didn't phase them. I mean, neither one of them even blinked. So, and it's not overly gory, obviously. You know, being a, a DC animated film, but uh, well, some of them are actually pretty violent. But this one was much less so than than you would think. So, and, it, and I'm glad that I my research had had uh, proved that. So, uh, and then finally, I watched a film yesterday that. I screen capped the hell out of in the group, and uh, it's it's one that I I can't wait to talk about on the show, man. It's fucking something else. It's called Legion of Iron, and it's uh, it's like a really bad kind of uh, blood sport or Mortal Kombat type film with with the most uh, oiled and homoerotic and inept uh, training sequences and 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 fight sequences and. I mean, they really go for it. I mean, it's never dull. The final, you can tell they were really influenced by uh, the Road Warrior. You got like, uh, <laughs> like, like, what are those? Like, a, not a, not not a hang glider. What's the thing that you would ride in, like a hang, like a parasail? Uh, yeah. yeah, I they guess got so. like a like a machine gun wielding uh, villain, a female villain riding a a, a parasail. Uh, you know, it just it's wild, man. It's oh. on the desert. I mean, it's it's really something else. Uh, it's on YouTube. I posted the link. Yeah, 
Uh, from seeing those the, the pictures you posted, it sounds like it should have been called Jackpot as far as the group. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it totally is, man. Like I was just in the mood for something really junky and fun, and it just, it totally hit that sweet spot. It, it left me in a great mood, smiling, thinking about some of the screenshots and shit. And <laughs> I just, like I said, I couldn't keep up with screenshotting this thing, man. Like it was just. It was out of this world, you know. It's it's, it's not like a stabilizer or a Raiders of Atlantis or Stone Cold or anything, but it's a fun, you know, Z grade film that really goes for it. And uh, I, I can't recommend it enough. Legion of, Legion of Iron. So. Nice. Yeah, it it sent me down a rabbit hole last night of doing research uh, on one Yakov Vinsvi. Oh yeah, the director. <laughs> and uh, come to find out, he'd produced films that. Uh, uh, Lauren Avedon was in the circuit and stuff like that, and then oh, wow. uh, he'd also did, uh, uh, I believe, uh, the Heaven or Elvis movie we talked about in 2011. No, yeah, he also well, he direct, he produced it, but he's a yeah, he's <laughs> he's still active, he's still uh, producing films, uh, not not directing films, but he's still producing films. So nice, yeah, he's yeah. still report. What's it? Uh, is it Rapunzel? Who who's used to spin spin straw into gold? Who was that? Uh, Rapunzel. Well, no. yeah, that wasn't Rapunzel. Uh, that was uh, that was in the Rumpelstiltskin, right? Rumpelstiltskin, so, man. That's it. Rapunzel was on with the hair. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah. So he, uh, you know, very interesting. Uh, I'd like to know more about one Yakov Vinskvi. Well, we're gonna cover that film on the show sometime because I kept thinking, man, I can't wait to talk about this moment on the show. And there's so many half shirts and mesh shirts and chain mail and. Well, the the cover is weird on some of the cover promotion shows. I, I keep thinking I see Terry Funk on there. It looks like a like a Dio album cover. Yeah, like oh yeah, like a really bad Dio album cover. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, but, yeah, it's very interesting. But it sent me down, it sent me down the rabbit hole, which you know sometimes I'll look at something and be like I gotta go, I gotta look more into this. Yeah, this hot tour. Yeah, this hot tour. <laughs> Very interesting credits in that guess. You know, Beach Fever, Memorial Valley Massacre. Oh, nice. <laughs> Midnight That's Heat. All these films sound like title. gold. Yeah, yeah, they all sound like gold, man. Yeah, Midnight Heat starring one, Brian Bosworth, and Brad Dorff. Oh, wow. And <laughs> so, the Dorff. Yeah. yeah. I wonder who the, who the baby face is and who the, who the heel is. <laughs> yeah, really. They don't leave much of the imagination there, do they? <laughs> But interesting, interesting, definitely, uh, definitely would look for. I have never seen it, so I would like to uh, do it. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Yeah. All right, so I only watched a couple things uh, outside of the uh, movies for the show. I watched. Uh, we went to the movie, saw Monsters University. Uh, yeah, which is good. Uh, I like Monsters Inc. more, but this is definitely uh, entertaining, as most Pixar films are, and. Uh, yeah, it is essentially Revenge of the Nerds. I mean, it's essentially that type of film. I mean, it's essentially well, well, no, it 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 does have the hair pie scene, but uh, you know, but you know, I had to ex- <laughs> I had to explain that to my son, so that was fun. No, <laughs> no. but uh, it is essentially that uh, very G-rated. You know, go to college. You know, everybody. You know, blah blah blah. The dean's kind of evil, that kind of thing. You know, but it it is good. It, and uh, I would recommend it. Uh, I think it kind of overwhelmed my son a little bit because we saw it on a really big screen and the, and the showing was really sold out. So we had to sit way closer than I really wanted to. And uh, that was the first time he had... He'd only been in the movies a couple times and that was the first time he'd ever had to sit that close. And I think it was a lot to take in. So yeah. I mean, definitely, uh, you know, three-year-old boy, I think I should have definitely tried to find a seat further back even if it meant I wasn't going to sit with my wife. But... 
uh, yeah, because it, there was moments that I think overwhelmed him a little bit. So, but you know, overall, pretty good. Um, good. Also, uh, we came home that night. He wanted to watch another one. He got he got in the mood, so to speak, <laughs> and uh, so uh, you know, I let him pick something, and he picked uh, Lego Batman. So nice. Yeah. So my kids are obsessed. They haven't seen it yet, though. Yeah. Well, it's essentially I think all the cutscenes from the Lego Batman video game. Uh, which me and him play sometimes a little bit, but he does. It's a little too old for him. Uh, in that the can, the kind of user interface is a little tricky. Um, not so much left to right, or you know, it's a little open world, so that's a lot for a kid to take in. Um, it's a lot for an adult to take in sometimes. Open world video games, so uh, <laughs> so we play it. You know, we just kind of goof off with it and stuff, and just kind of run around, and, you know, hit things and stuff like that. You know, typical boy stuff. You know. Give you know, give a boy some you know a stick and watch him hit a tree. You know what I'm saying? So, um, but uh, he he enjoyed it uh, for a while. He watched it for a while. He watched it, you know, which I think it was like 30 minutes. And then because I've rented it and spent money on it, I was like, well, I got to watch the rest of this thing. I don't want to just <laughs> linger. So I finished it off, you know. So, but yeah, not you know, I you know, for kids it's it's fine. For adults, uh, not a recommend. Okay, so uh, and that was about it. I, I've I, my movie watching has been curbed this week by uh, one Paul, Manchester Paul, the Red Waffle, because uh, he had talked to us about this uh, show, Brock Barquo, Barquo, I think it's how you say it, Barquo, Barquo, which I think, yeah, I don't know, I don't Barquo, know. yeah, well, who knows, but anyway, it's, it's, it's a French cop show is what it is, and uh, it's available on Hulu Plus, the first season, and the second season is getting ready to come on there in uh, July. Um, but I was like, well, you know, I need a new show to watch. And I've kind of been doing that. I've kind of been marathoning one show at a time as much as possible because it's kind of easier to watch them that way. And uh, so I'm five episodes into this thing. And, uh, yeah, it's pretty good, man. I got to say, it's definitely a, a must-watch. Good stuff. I got the first cool. season here. Yeah. I got to watch it too, man. I just I keep putting it off. I, I tried to push my wife one night, and she wasn't in the mood. But um I definitely got to get into it, man, because yeah, he, he said it was amazing, and you're repping for it. So Yeah, it's good stuff. It's very good stuff. Uh, that's all I'll say. It's, I'll check it out. Yeah, definitely worth a watch and worth your time, I would say. I have, like I said, I got three more episodes to go, but I'm five episodes in, and uh, as those great poets of the 80s say, loving every minute of it. <laughs> <laughs> Turn that dial all the way. <laughs> Shoot me like a rocket. <laughs> what's All the tone right. of it is it is it like a i mean is it kind of modern is it more you know is it a procedural or is it um are you familiar with the wire oh yeah yeah well <laughs> that's my, my favorite thing that i've ever seen in my life yeah yeah, yeah. well <laughs> nice. it, it's 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 similar in uh not, not so much in tone but in in heaviness as the wire uh it's kind of like you know it's very real very uh very uh just very heavy but uh it's it's kind of not like the wire either in that it's not really the it, it's kind of like you know basically some cops who kind of get in a little too deep and mm-hmm. uh, just very well acted and uh it's you know it's a good show it's a very good show uh, uh, very awesome. dense very well written and very well I'm acted in. yeah 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 if you like the wire you'll like this i guarantee yeah. that so i'm set <laughs> yeah um but yeah that's about it uh yeah okay so what do we want to talk about first movie wise here we got uh Two doozies, as I said. So, uh, who, what do you guys want to talk about first? Over the edge, together, brothers. Uh, it's up to you guys. Um, I, I'm I'm good with either. And if you want to go chronologically or <laughs> large William, we want whichever to one y'all are more excited about. 
Uh, let's uh, let's go back a little further in time. Let's do Together Brothers. All right, little Together Brothers. All right, we're going to take a short break and uh, come back and talk a little Together Brothers. We'll be back right after this. American Dream. He's just a common man. The American Dream, Dusty Rose. I'm coming to you live in a living color. Speak to you, the American people. A podcast called Silver and Gold Daddy. And you know that the American Green, Dusty Rhodes, knows how to bring home the gold, Daddy. And just like Henry Silver sticking Barbara Boucher's head inside a sow hanging from the ceiling, Silver and Gold will stick it to you. Stick it to your ears, stick it to your mouth, your eyes, your nose, daddy. And all points in between, they'll take your listening pleasure and stick it between a sow's caucus hanging from the ceiling, daddy. Silver and gold, we talk about movies and shit. Find us on iTunes or silverandgold.com. Together Brothers. I got a mouthful of mush there. I don't know what's going on. Um, <laughs> all right, so Together Brothers, 1974. This movie surprisingly rated PG. Uh, not that, yeah. yeah, not that, not that it's really, really harsh, but it is kind of surprising that this is rated PG. But again, this is 1974, so you know, I guess you could see maybe why that might have slipped through it in 74 as a PG. Yeah. Uh, 
Now, this movie, uh, let me give the plot synopsis here. A group of ghetto kids try to find out who killed a popular police officer. You uh, know, that, that's actually, that, I was, that, that's the one off of, uh, of IMDb. Uh-huh. Yep. There's, uh, there's a there's a synopsis from like one of the posters that I always just is, is so much better that it says a good black cop is dead. A crazy killer's on the loose. One little boy saw it all. Save that boy. Stay alive. Stay together. Together brothers. Wicked. <laughs> yeah. Wicked. Yeah. That sounds like more like, like the, you know, the exploitation cell, right? So yeah, that's awesome. yeah that, that, that really is uh, much better. But uh, the, um, the, uh, the interesting thing about this film is, it's very hard to uh, locate, and, and and as we talk about it here, I think we're both going to, or all three of us are going to find that uh, we're going to agree that uh, why this doesn't really have like a real release is kind of baffling to me. Yes. Um, but uh, yeah, we'll get into that. Uh, but who wants to lead on this thing? Uh, I mean, do Davy, if you're comfortable, you can. If not, I'm happy too. Yeah, why don't you go ahead? Because I'm interested in what you guys have to say. <laughs> okay. Um, before we do, though, if I may ask you, Davey, why did you pick this film? Um, because this was your show to program, right? We, we kind of briefly touched on that, but I well, don't know that we got um, too far in. Because, I mean, this week you really, I found it interesting, because I'd, I'd like to ask you why you picked each film before we talk sure. about them. And, and also just um, thought it was a fascinating kind of Davey's Southwest 70s youth double, as it were. <laughs> Well, you know, it, it's uh, I, I I wanted to pick Together Brothers. Uh, you know, I went through just a, a, a whole bunch of choices whenever y'all you know made that opportunity for us to to, to program a show and everything. But uh, um, you know, I came down when I came down to it. Uh, I really just wanted to promote. Uh, and I'll you know I'll tip my hand here a little bit, but but uh, about what my uh, feelings are about it. But I just really wanted to promote Together Brothers for that fact that that you know, like I said, it's it's baffling to why it's not. Uh, you know, more readily available and, uh, that, uh, you know, it's, it's, uh, and I just n- never hear anybody talk about it. And, and, uh, you know, I, I had kind of fielded it out there in the group and, um, you know, a couple of the guys, uh, old, uh, my man crush CDR had watched it and like really, <laughs> he, he, uh, really flipped out and, and, uh, old Shimpy watched it and he, uh, he, he kind of had the same reaction to it. So, you know, I'm thinking, well, at least I'm not an idiot, you know, <laughs> well, or I'm, I am, but, but anyway, but, uh, but they seem to have a positive response to it. So I just wanted to promote that one. Also, um, it, it, it's, you know, it's, it's unique to me is that it takes place in Galveston, Texas. And, uh, which is, is strange. And we can talk about this whenever the, um, you know, we get into the movie or whatever, but, uh, you know, Galveston is kind of this is, is South of Houston and, and it's kind of this to me in my life, it's always been this beach resort community, like where you go when, when, uh, you know, when, you know, you go after prom and, you know, go stay in a nice hotel and hang out with your girlfriend or whatever, or go fishing or just hang out on the beach or whatever. But this presents an entirely different view of that because Galveston's an island, which is not something you get from this movie. Um, but, uh, um, you know, it's an entirely different thing, but, um, and I had just heard about it and it was, uh, I had heard about it for years. I initially read about it in this, uh, magazine called uh, Badass Movo Magazine that was a, a zine that came out uh, a while back and I think that's all archived online now. It's really worth checking out but this guy, Dave Walker, had written this glowing review of it. I noticed it was set in Texas and I was like, man, what is that? I've never even heard of this movie. And, but it was just unavailable. And I, I caught it on on a TCM like in the middle of the night just by chance one night and really 
really responded to it. And for a long time, it was on Hulu as this uh, it, with this really pristine print. But um, but that's you know it's it cycled off or whatever. So yeah, I don't know what the distribution is. But you know, uh, and also and then picking over the edge, uh, um, I just kind of thought that that would be a good. It's a good match to it, and it's kind of got different. You know, they're both about kids, and they're both from roughly the same time period. Entirely kind of different takes on things, but uh, and I, I kind of got some thoughts about that. But uh, I, and also, I just love Over the Edge, <laughs> I mean, I, and uh, it's it's just a movie that I've that's I've also really responded to throughout my life. So um, I uh, I don't know. It's it just uh, and you know maybe something a little different or whatever. But uh, uh, yeah, so I dig very it. cool, very cool. Okay, great. So yeah, this this is one truth be told. Until you'd been pushing it, I'd never even heard of it. Um, I, I certainly am not an expert. I would never call myself an expert on black exploitation, but I, I do adore black exploitation. I don't know if I'd, I'd call it that. I guess for a quick and dirty um, yeah. genre to put it in, I guess you could say because it's a, a film of of the era of the golden age of black exploitation, and uh, it's it's a predominantly black uh, cast. Um, you know, I guess you could you kind of put it in with that, but it's sort of like when you look at films like The Spook Who Sat by the Door, which now having seen The Battle of Algiers, really Spook Who Sat by the Door is oh, yeah. a riff on that. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, it kind of falls in that way, in that it, you know, it deals with African Americans um, and the plight of African Americans. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm glad you picked this film. And, and like Sammy had said, I don't know why it doesn't have a better. A better release, and I think you did the right thing, if I may say, by by pushing a film uh, so people can seek it out. Because that I don't know, I speak for Sammy when I say there's times where we we get these films that that um, it becomes sort of like a, a passion project for us to push these films to greater awareness, and that's kind of what why we do this show. Really, is yeah. to to get good film or great film or bad film out to people um, and get the good spread the good word. So. Well, that's, that's what's so wonderful about the community. I mean, that's that's really, I mean, the the one of the strong points that that I see all the time. It's just, I mean, that it's also just so good natured, and everybody's you know respectful of each other's opinions. But that that it is that constantly that somebody is 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 putting a movie out there like, hey guys, have you seen this? Because I really like it. And and uh, you know, it's 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 uh, and usually it's it's right on. So well, anyway. Yeah. But, so. No, no, you're right. No, you're right, man. And uh, the film itself. Um, you know, William Graham, Billy Graham. We all got our tie-dyed shirts and our roach clip earrings in. Um, but uh, he directed this. And Sammy said, I don't want to go through his whole filmography. I can tell you, did a lot of TV work. Two things that jumped out at me um, were he did Sounder 2, which I didn't even know there was a sequel to Sounder. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, oh, wow. I thought so. you were saying like Sounder 2, like T-O-O. But, oh, no, but T-W-O. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow. But uh, Sounder's a fantastic film. Again, it, it's a very wonderfully heartfelt, uh, tender film about an African-American family po- just immediately post-slavery. Paul Winfield, Cicely Tyson, it's got the Hooks brothers, um, the sons of, of Mr. T, Robert Hooks, Trouble Man himself. Um, so that sort of deals with a sensitive side of and a different look through the eyes of African-American characters. And then he also did Honky yeah. in 1971, which I thought was pretty fascinating. It's a I'll just read this summary so I'm not stumbling around here. Uh, Black girl from rich family loves white boy from poor family. So I think it was fascinating that, uh, which is also, now that I think about it, this is a very interesting bookend because Kaplan, the director of our next film, 
worked in the in the uh, the uh, black exploitation genre as well. In fact, he's been on our show a few times, which we'll get to. Mm-hmm. So huh. um, it's interesting that um, Graham went more sort of uh, tender, sensitive, kitchen sinky, uh, kitchen sinky drama uh, route for the African American stories versus kind of the rompy, fun black exploitation kind of traditional sense. So <clears throat> an interesting path for him. A couple other interesting things about him. He also did the TV movie with Powers Booth playing Jim Jones. The uh, oh yeah, yeah, that's right. Oh, yeah. tragedy, which is yeah. uh, you know, he did a lot of those really good seventies uh, made for TV movies and eighties movies. Uh, one that I was looking through when I was doing research, though, that I have not seen that I need to see. It has to move up my queue immediately. It's called The Last Ninja. I saw that nineteen eighty three, yeah. Yeah. With Michael Beck. Speaking of Warriors. Oh, wow. Oh man. With Michael Beck, Mako, Mac Mako, yeah. Uh Richard Lynch and John Larroquette. Oh good lord. Wow. <laughs> you know what? I'm gonna go get that. I'm gonna go get Jim Jones one. I've never seen this Jim Jones. Have you ever seen the cast on this Jim Jones yeah. one? Yeah, you it's, know, it's a it's, it's a, a good, movie. good movie. Yeah, it's a good what movie. A cast, man. Yeah. Anyway, interesting. Also interesting about the Last Ninjas, Michael Beck plays a guy named Kinjiro Sakura. So I don't know quite how Swan plays a Japanese man. <laughs> this is gold. I can, yeah. I, I'm going to call it. <laughs> so yeah. we, we need to, we need to see that. And of course, Richard Lynch plays a doctor named God Doctor Gustav Norden. So you know, it's it's I'm obvious. Sure he, yeah, he, he he's not a Nazi Germany uh, doctor. Yeah, Great. So, very interesting. Uh, but he does have a lot of interesting credits throughout his. Uh, uh, filmography and uh, he worked in a lot of uh, like I said like uh, Will said a lot of uh, TV did uh, did the uh, sequel to Blue Lagoon did a, did all kinds of crazy stuff and uh, 116 titles as far as the director goes but like a lot of it was television but definitely some that was the golden age of television yeah. movies right yeah he did another film that I've been wanting to see for a long time too called Cry for Me Billy which I think is about a uh, a young man who falls in love with a uh, an Indian girl but uh, what I thought I, you were going to say a ninja I'm not even lying. <laughs> <laughs> that would be amazing. <laughs> About a young man who falls in love with Michael Beck. <laughs> <laughs> we need to actually we need to like really copyright the uh, young man that falls in love with a ninja thing like immediately. Yeah. So cause nobody takes that idea. Yeah, no kidding, man. <laughs> the first GGT, uh, GGTMC produced movie. Yeah. But he, he but you know I, I hate to keep talking about it, but he also did that one we talked about one time. Will the uh, Calendar Girl Murders? He did that one for oh, TV yeah, yeah. with Tom Skerritt and Sharon Stone and. Oh wow! So he's 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 done a lot of TV work, but uh, it is interesting TV work. So yeah, I'm definitely gonna look into some more stuff that uh, he did. Holy cow! Well, that's cool. And um, yeah, I mean to jump off of Graham for a minute. At first glance, um, I didn't really know how many people were. Uh, there's not a lot of names in the cast, but two names that do to, that do jump out are a guy that I know Rick and I are both fans of, and I'm sure you are, Davey, is Glenn Turman. Yeah, in a, a small <laughs> role cameo yeah. Yeah. yeah a little small role here but he's good and then of course uh lincoln kilpatrick who i remember <laughs> to work with a few times uh got a great look and he's fantastic and very unsettling and creepy uh, in this film oh my god it's probably my favorite movie villain maybe <laughs> oh my god like how frightened i'm a grown man yeah. i was frightened to look yeah, at him yeah when i say my favorite movie villain it's just like yeah because i'm i'm just like even you know, I've seen this movie several times, and even like watching it like last night, I was like, Ugh. "Yeah, yeah." Totally. <laughs> Whenever he's on screen, Jeez, oh my god, it's just so unnerving to look at him. And, and Graham's smart to focus on his face, but we'll get to that. So, um, 
Should be said, uh, Glenn Turman. I'm, I'm going to start calling him the ageless Glenn Turman. Oh yeah, he's yeah. a fine wine man. Because he just looks, <laughs> he just looks, oh. he still looks the same. But uh, you know, even to this day, he's maybe a little gray hair and stuff. Because we just saw him last year, and uh, John dies at the end, and mm-hmm. and he still <laughs> looks, you know, and he was in Super Eight as well, I believe. So, um, but yeah, yeah, Glenn and Kilpatrick, man. Such classics as Prison, Bulletproof, Hollywood Cop. Forget about it, man. This guy's. <laughs> yeah, he's been on Oh, that's I forgot. Yeah, he's he's oh he's a friggin' Jaguar in Hollywood Cop, right? Yeah, I yeah. totally forgot about that. Yeah. He's Jaguar, awesome. man. <laughs> <laughs> and he's in Omega Man too. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. that's right, man. Yeah, that's right. He's 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 got a lot of GGTMC titles. Even his name is very uh, GGTMC. Lincoln Kilpatrick. Yeah, it sure is. You know, he's got a great look. So, um, but. Uh, well, you know, also the, there's. Uh, I, well, I'm sorry. To, and you're probably just no, no, say, no. Give her, man. Give her. Uh, well, and another you know actor that's that's also in the movie and in, in a well, it's kind of sort of the heart of the movie to a certain extent to me. But uh, is old Ed Bernard that plays the Mr. Cool, the police officer. Oh right? yeah. He was on. Uh, you know, I mean, I guess immediately what I thought of when when I saw him is is he's in uh, Across 110th Street. He's one of the 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 robbers that uh, meets a rather awful end in uh, in that one but uh but also he was like he was like the cop on uh hardcastle and mccormick that uh yeah yeah, he was we've talked about that show on on this show (laughs) that that show's got the greatest uh opening title credits i think i've ever seen oh yeah yeah Yeah, that show (laughs) that show is very (laughs) gg (laughs) tmz that's awesome man yeah no he's great and uh the thing about his performance, because we certainly haven't, we're not spoiling anything, um, is his role in the, the, the t- you know, 10, 15 minutes he's on the screen, we really have to get behind his character. Because if we don't, the whole rest of the movie, we're not going to be, um, it's going to feel yeah. forced and contrived if we don't, can't, and can't get behind the humanity of his character. Exactly. Right. So, um, uh, I like just seeing the credits um, too. That they they look like they went to great lengths to get a lot of people in the community involved. Uh, the, the, one of the credits was a creative, creative and technical consultant, Dr. Arthur Thomas, the director of Valinga Black Cultural Resource Center, Wright State University. So, sort of a bizarre credit to see, but it goes to show that they, you know, the problem with the black exploitation genre, unfortunately, is sometimes the exploitation mm-hmm. of African Americans that happened in it. Um, you know, some people went about it the right way, but there was times and it was just a, a cheap cash in, unfortunately. Um, and this one is certainly not that. Um, it goes to length. I showed its African American characters, which I was, uh, which is, which I was very happy to see. And even little things like, um, you know, the policeman in this, we see him as a normal cop. Like he's not like the the African American Maurizio Merrily. Like he's, you know, he's just a normal policeman in in you know working the beat and um i just like seeing that you know it wasn't super cop so yeah it, it kind of it kind of goes in line with the rest of the film and you know that kind of kitchen sink aesthetic um and just yeah seeing seeing this you know being in canada you know we i love seeing um the south and the southwest how i love seeing it you know anywhere the world over and seeing what i feel is authenticity and to see these houses look almost like wooden shacks, and normally of the time we would see um, mostly East Coast African American experience, or as sensationalized as it was in film. Um, but you would see, you know, we were accustomed to seeing the rubble 
of New York City. Uh, we're accustomed to seeing some of the sprawl of Los Angeles, but I was not accustomed to seeing the rubble of Texas and the wooden kind of uh, uh, shacks that we see. Yeah, man. I mean, it's just amazing to me to see. It's like the, it's like you're getting this this peek into a world that I would have never been privy to otherwise. Yeah, it's it's really. I mean, like I said, for for me, it was even kind of like shocking. As like I said, because normally. What you see of Galveston is, is uh, you know, in my experience, is you drive straight down I-45 and it dead ends in Seawall Boulevard where all the, the big hotels and, and seafood restaurants are in the beach. So that's pretty much all you see. But this actually kind of shows that there's a community there that's, that's living. And again, you never see the water in this movie, except there's like one scene where one of the characters goes to a dock, you know, but, but uh, you, uh, it, it's just amazing. that I mean, to me. I mean, and that's the thing, just knowing that area that, that may not be apparent to, to, you know, others watching this film. But, um, but yeah, you know, it, it's uh, it's pretty wild. And, and, I mean, yeah, I don't think they built many sets for this movie. <laughs> it's, uh, no. Uh, it's really and, – and also, I think that, like, all the, the policemen outside of Mr. Cool were real policemen in Galveston. Like, and you can kind of tell just because there's not really many – I mean, there's the, your core group of actors that you see, but – like everybody that they run into on the street and all that stuff like that, man, I think that they didn't go to central casting for those dudes. <laughs> you know what though? I, I, I'd heard, you know, just doing a little bit of research about the mm-hmm. film before I watched it, how much of the cast were non-actors. And I have to say that I, I think, um, Graham does a really good job of not overexposing anyone. Sure. Like I, I feel like, okay, you know, you know, you're not dealing with a group of theater trained actors, but, I thought everyone acquitted themselves as well as could be expected for a film of its kind. Like, you know, I never thought to my, I, there was never a moment for me in the film where I just thought, oh, fuck, and this person got hung out to dry. Yeah, it's not the Miami connections yet, you know, but. Yeah, um, yeah, that's but, right. <laughs> but, uh, um, but, yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd say, you know, several things about the, uh, the lead kid is, uh, I mean, he's got several moments, and I mean, I'm sure they'll come up where it's, where he does have to do that thing where it's like, you know, he's having to make a decision or he's in a real tough spot and he sells it, man. He sells like yep. indecision and being a kid and being in this, like, okay, I gotta, you know, I gotta go right now. <laughs> yep. So. Yeah, no, he does. He, he, the film, cause the film to me, Ahmad Nuruddin, uh, HJ and, and uh, I can't remember his brother's little brother's name. Um, oh, what a cute kid, man. <laughs> very cute kid. Very The kid was, I think five years older. You look younger to me than five, personally, but um, they're great. And again, you have to buy into these characters emotionally. Oh yeah, get behind. Well, it's amazing. Totally... The, the, I mean, the kid is well. Um, anyway, yeah, he, he's the little boy is is. Uh, I mean, he really has to do some kind of uh, heavy lifting too. And you know, I mean, it's mm-hmm. a lot of just looking shocked or looking terrified or, or, or whatever. But I mean, man, you know, he, he pulls it off. Yeah, he totally does. He's uh, he's good in a, you know, a pretty small role because kid actors, I think we all know, is a minefield. They can be pretty grating, even when they're in peril. It seems sometimes, if not handled handled well, it's like, man, I can't get behind this. Um, yeah, but uh, you know that's the way it goes. Um, the, we gotta we gotta give it up to the GTGMC fashion in both films this week. <laughs> This one opens it up nice with a mesh tank top and uh, one of the dude. He's got he's got a nice tight little afro and he's got like a, like a leather biker cap sitting on top of it. Nice, it's pretty, pretty amazing, man. Yeah. <laughs> um, what do I got here? Um, 
So one of the lines I felt that was very poignant that that I was going to call him Mr. Big, uh, Mr. Cool, is what, which is what they call the police officer, right? They call him Mr. Cool, right? Yeah, Mr. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Um, he says to one of the kids, because, you know, we see an introduction where he's kind of chasing a kid who stole something. And he says, there ain't nothing as cold as a 40-year-old gangbanger with no gang. And that line, I just I thought about it. It sounds kind of simple and, and no frills, but you think about that. And it's, it's kind of like a line I always used. Um, you know, I talk about like having to make a decision to kind of, uh, you know, to not to not let youth kind of consume me and make bad decisions. I would always say that there's no pension for drug dealers or, yeah, you know, like there's no job security in that. So um, it, I just I like that line that he says because you think about that and it's like okay, well, you know, you got to let that the the things of your youth go and and kind of have a little foresight here, kids. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I like there's there's one thing I mean in that particular scene there that it's when you're establishing that uh, the the characters and, and you know what they're going through. I, you know I, I love how they you know you get that whole thing with with uh, Mr. Cool in the community um, you know walking the beat and that he's he's nice to everybody and even when he's rousting people he's he does he does it gently and he's like you know come on ladies move along and and uh, but then you know when he chases down the or well, when he gets to the uh, the clubhouse or whatever and is is, is uh, is doing that. He identifies that lead character HJ as a leader of, mm-hmm. of his group, and, and tells him, you know, like, and, and just lays it out for him. It's not like the uh, like the cop in Over the Edge who's just like, you know, ah, you know, kids, you know, and uh, that's you know, right, man. That that he's he's gentle, and that he's that force of good in the community, and that that father figure that these uh, well that the kids, you know, are, are shown not to have, you know, and that's uh, right. And uh, and yeah, you know, and it, it sets up that. Uh, the HJ character as that leader that, that he's, you know, he's this guy that's, that's, uh, you know, he's, he's got it together. You know, he's not just like, you know, some punk that's out there, you know, well, anyway, but, but yeah, it's, it's, uh, yeah, anyway, but uh, I like it a lot. No, for sure. No, you're right. The depiction of the, of the police in, in these two films is starkly different. That's for sure. Yeah. Um, and I just think even interestingly, the depiction of youth is starkly different. Yeah. One of the things I like about the doubles. It's, it's, you you know, and I, well, I was going to say I, I can talk about the, the, the. I mean, there's there's certainly different. I mean, these movies are going for entirely different things, but sure. that, I got something to say about that. That, that, that there's that the, it's interesting to see you know these kind of. Well, I can kind of do it the Gurnma make a break or whatever. But, but, uh, yeah, yeah, that's cool. That's cool. Um, but yeah, we talked about the shots, the, the 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 this area, these city block, a few city blocks, I guess, in Galveston. But one of the shots that really walloped me was seeing. All these dilapidated shacks, and then you see this this kind of worn out playground equipment with a child on it outside one of the, the shacks. It was like something, you know what? It, it, this and even um, our next one with a couple of really um, incredible shots of like this these um, buildings is almost like the Pruitt Igo myth. More so in the second one with the failed kind of urban planning, but. Um, that stuff really is effective for me. Just seeing these kids playing on this this equipment, or it's even like when we, we did uh, Sammy when we did uh, Red Red Riding trilogy, just to see kind of the uh, the poverty, right. these poverty stricken neighborhoods, you know, really speaks to me. Right. Um, really, really something else. Um, man, I'll tell you, it's uh, the sequence that that kind of gets everything in motion here with the murder that's witnessed. It's such an awful sequence. I mean, and I mean that in the best way possible. In that, we see this. The editing's really well. We see the child panting, and it's uh, you know, it was just sweaty, bloody, kind of clumsy 
it's just it's a pretty I mean, I've never seen someone get murdered, thankfully, in touch with it. I never will, but um, it doesn't feel stylized. It feels very just awful and awkward and uncomfortable and clumsy, which I, I would imagine most of the, those sort of exchanges would be. Right. Yeah. Mate. Yeah, I, I agree. And it's, I don't know, there's something, it's very sleazy. <laughs> yeah. It's a very sleazy yeah. murder, and it's very strange. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. It's just a strange scene. Uh, but the kid, yeah, I, one of my notes is the. Uh, the kid, the look of horror on the kid's face is pretty, uh, pretty well done oh, because uh, yeah. you could see it's just scarring this child, you know, to see this awful act. Oh boy, yeah. When, when the violence hits in this movie, it's you know, it hits. It's like whoa. <laughs> it's true. It's true. It really does. Yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's shocking uh, when the violence does happen in this movie. It's it's very strange. Yeah, and I, I like uh, I like a lot of the small touches again. I think one of the big things I'll take away from this, especially when we're comparing and contrasting to Kaplan's Over the Edge, which I like, but I'll play my hand and say I prefer this film. It's a different apples and oranges, but you know, if I'm going to pick film for film, is I like that uh, the economy with which um, Graham fleshes out his characters and their worlds, mm-hmm. because there's a moment when uh, it's H. Uh, is it H. J. Is that what we said? H. J. H. J. Yeah. H. J. Um, well, him and his brother at home, we kind of get to see this this awkward patchwork family dynamic with another man in the house who's not the dad, and the grandmother's there, and you can kind of start to paint a picture in your head as to what's going on. So I think that Graham does a really good job of spending just enough time fleshing that stuff out or giving us um, shorthand, but shorthand that's effective in fleshing it out. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's a great, speaking of flesh, there's a great sign in in the community center that says VD is nothing to clap about. Nice. <laughs> Amazing. Um, what does that even say? Female something. Female. Oh, fem- I don't even know. I'm not even going to try. Uh, you know, the, the, the one kill in this, or the way it's shot, there's a few moments of stalking and stuff. It almost felt like this... Mm-hmm. this um, very southwest american jolly with like these low angles with like a leather glove and a blade and yeah, yeah totally some leather boots yeah the uh, boot. yeah man i got that note too there's some moments that are very jolly and of course i think it helps it's got this kind of off-key whistle uh theme <laughs> every time the uh the uh care i don't want to give away who the uh, killer might be but uh i think yeah. i think well actually i think we kind of have <laughs> saying, saying <laughs> well, yeah. The, oh, yeah. the creepy performance from one uh lincoln kilpatrick but let's just say he he uh he it's very interesting the way he uh yeah. the way he, he decided to shoot him most of the film and then when you know you finally see him it's very interesting yeah the the reveal isn't till till much later so you're only seeing like the you know his hats and it's all at night and his hats and or his his uh faces in shadow underneath his his hat and you know yeah you're only seeing parts of him and stuff and and I want to be clear to too the people that think well we just spoiled the film we didn't because it's not like they're it, it's a twist where this character is revealed to be one thing or it's not like a who done it i mean it's a who done it without us having the benefit of ever seeing who done it so to say it's so and so doesn't it's not like that character is really in the film otherwise yeah it yeah. does so it doesn't spoil anything certainly yeah, it doesn't hurt the film at all no no um what do i have to, there's one kid in this uh he looked like uh i want maybe it was aj hj even i keep wanting to go maj um he looked like a young joe morton you know the guy who played miles dyson in terminator 2 sure 
Yeah, no, he. I, I'm like the, him, then. the lead guy does. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He reminded him a little bit. Um, I love the the scene when uh, HJ and his and his and his uh, friends go to meet Vega, and just oh, you know the, the building, and it's kind of this awkward thing. It's the the Hispanic uh, kind of gang, and and these guys, and because what's really fascinating about this is these young men have to navigate. Uh, a, a minefield um, and negotiate and broker things here because they want to find out what happened and I, that stuff's really fascinating to me and and I, I really really like the turn that Richard uh, I don't know how to say his last name uh, Niguez or Niguez yeah. gives as Vega I, I really like him in the film and I thought he was great oh man he's like you wish he was in it more <laughs> yeah 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 it's I, I love that meeting that that uh, whatever they, they go in there the uh I mean just his kind of initial swagger and everything but the uh I had a note here the the line when those college freakouts tried to burn down the barrio where were the black yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah I love that line I love that and it's uh it, I wish he definitely had been in the film more and uh, man, I'll tell you what, the Latinos in this, they fucking love the sleeveless shirt look, didn't they? <laughs> yeah, they yeah. I mean, they were going for it, man. They're like 20, 20 strong with the well, sleeveless. Yeah, most of them like the buffet table, too, bro. <laughs> yeah, there's a couple dudes in there that definitely did, man. The, uh, no, but that Richard Ninguez, I don't know how you say his name either, but he's in a pretty good little film called uh, Boulevard Nights, which I recommend from about five yeah. years later. Uh, yeah, definitely check that one out. He's good in that, too. Yeah, he should have had a bigger career. He did a ton of television. So you've seen him probably in something. Yeah, I mean, I recognize. Yeah. (laughs) No, I was going to say yeah. He's a character actor. You recognize him? Yeah, yeah. Sorry to cut you off there, baby. No, no, not at all. I'm sorry. It's it's uh, yeah. I get it all excited and start talking, but um, but uh, uh, yeah, I was going to say it's one of those moments where like you know that I just love you know where you're talking about like the you know uh, non actors really standing up is there. There's a bit there where where uh, Vega kind of challenges HJ and, and he's like, he has to, and he's obviously, he plays it really good. Like, I mean, he's scared and he's just like, you know, mm-hmm. okay, if that's what I have to do, I'll do it. You know? Yeah. And, and it's like, yep. and his voice breaks and it's just, it's a real cool moment. I love it. You know? anyway. Yeah. Oh, for sure, man. For sure. And I think, uh, and then just the scene where, where Vega and uh, HJ, they got to do something to get something <laughs> they need. And it's a fucking tense scene, man. And at yeah. first I was like, man, what's, even my wife, because my wife was kind of watching, she goes, are they fighting for real? What's going on? I'm like, I don't really know. And then, you know, you just kind of start to see what's going on. You catch the play. But but the scene that, that follows, that's very, uh, the stakes are so high. And, man, you're just on the edge. You're like, holy shit, man, these guys better get out of here. And you're really you're really pulling for it. And, uh, it's again, it's not, it's not one of these things where it's like an 18-car explosion, like a Michael Bay type thing, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, it, but it's it's a small scene that when you start to care about characters and a film's well done, it's effective. So I really like that. And uh, oh, yeah. you know another turn I can't think of her name um, is the girl that played HJ's girlfriend. I really liked her like, in her small turn, man. She's great. Yeah, yeah she's fantastic. She looked a little bit like a little bit like a, a poor man's Alicia Keys huh. to me. She's cute. Yeah. She's very cute. Yeah, just very um, natural and sweet and, and genuine. You can really – and they've got a good chemistry, you know. And, and, uh, yeah. and, yeah, she just really does seem like, you know, when she's looking at him, you know, she seems like, yeah, just, you know, just great smile. And, and uh, her mom's a piece of work, I tell you what. <laughs> oh, yeah, for real. Yeah. But I like how everything feels organic in this. They don't overextend. It doesn't feel sensationalized. Um, 
there's there's no J and B, but there is Cuddy Sark. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, that's the way it goes sometimes. But uh, I, I got to commend Graham because one of the things I really got to give it up for this film is we get a transvestite character in this film, <laughs> and bravo, but bravo for having a transvestite character because. I think you see a lot of people that have been marginalized by society, be it because of race or sexual proclivities or lifestyle choices, whatever, what have you. Um, but I'm glad that we see a transvestite character in the film. Mm -hmm. And it's, uh, you know, at the time it wasn't something that was very common to see. And we even get to see an on-screen male kiss. like you yeah. know, And good on that. Like, good on Graham for being brave enough um, to do that in film. And it, it's not really like a thing. It's just another scene in the film. It's just kind of matter of factly, and I commend and the, him for doing that. In the 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 the, the transvestite character there is is also um, portrayed as you know as someone that's actually kind of worried about what's going on and knows it's like oh man I'm in a little over my head here and 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 sure. and, and portrayed as is someone that, that's really trying to like you know the, you know uh, he knows something's coming. And is like trying to head it off and just be like, no, 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 just mm -hmm. just go, man, just get out, you know, or whatever. But uh, yeah, but yeah, that that reveal there at one hour and forty five seconds is like, whoa, when the door opens. But <laughs> oh, with HJ comes, or was it not? I don't know if it's HJ. Maybe it was his buddy. Yeah. But yeah. yeah, yeah, no, that was a pretty, and it was a pretty. Um, I don't want to say too much, but it was quite the reveal for sure. Yeah. And, yeah. Well, anytime and, uh, you, anytime somebody borrows my platinum eyelashes, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, for real, man. <laughs> big, big tuft of chest hair coming out of the thing. Yeah. Oh, that was amazing. But I, I like that uh, that character is not played like, you know, you see so many times gay characters in films are just played as these mincing kind of, you know, just very effeminate and very, um, very one note. And at least this character seemed to be a bit fleshed out, like a bit frazzled, but frazzled as anyone would be in their shoes. Exactly. Yeah. I agree. So, you know, kudos. Um, we haven't talked about it too much, but the Barry White score for this film is amazing. And Barry White's a, a, a musician that I, I certainly respect a lot. His reputation precedes him a bit as kind of a schmaltzy, the, you know, the, the soundtrack from Making Love. But I, I think that he and the, the orchestra he kept, he retained, uh, there was a lot more great film scores in them. And it's a shame he didn't do more film scores because yeah. I really like the score for this film. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's fantastic. So th there's actually, uh, I, I noticed there that I think, uh, oh, I'm blanking on his name, but our, our friend that I think he's from overseas uh, on the group that uh, is always into, he's always posting his uh, soundtrack albums. And, oh, man, I can't believe I can't remember his name. But, uh, oh, Rodrigo. His, Rodrigo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, he's, yeah. you know, that there's, there's an actual, like, full-length album. Because it seems like there's two or three, or there's, like, three pieces that kind of get repeated throughout the film so I was wondering if it was just if there actually was like a, a very white soundtrack to it but yeah that, that's what there is Might I'm sure we can I gotta track it down it's fantastic it feels almost like Isaac Hayes type stuff because Isaac Hayes is another guy who, who didn't need to rely on a bass guitar I mean he was a talented musician period and that was my dryer going off which you probably just heard <laughs> uh, the, the showcase showdown's done um, but, uh, you know uh, nice. this is a this is a sweaty desperate film <laughs> Yeah, it is. I love that it is. It really is. It's, yeah, it's, just, it's oppressive. Yeah, I mean, very much so in every scene. But. Yeah, you feel the very heat and so. you see the the sweat, and you might realize why Lincoln Kilpatrick wore a mustache ninety nine percent of the time. See that sweaty yeah. upper lip he's got going on. 
Man, I'll tell you what. There's some. They had no run mascara or eyeliner, whatever it was, man. Because <laughs> that the sweat, man, that would have caused them to run. But uh, it's uh, yeah. I mean, it's there's a lot of some really great overhead shots in this film that are really cool. Um, gosh, I just uh, there's some decisions decision at the back end of the film with some sirens wailing. I just I love the embrace at the end of the film. I think that it really. Um, it goes to show that the pursuit meant so much more than just an answer. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it really was a powerful moment. And I really believed in that central relationship or the relation. There's kind of the two, there's HJ is the man in the middle between two relationships that are in peril because of this chain of events. Yeah. And I really love that, that last moment. So those are all my notes. I'll kick it over to you guys. Okay. Sam, you want to go over? Yeah. Yeah. I got a few things I can add to it. Um, I think, what I one of the things I did like the most about the film is I as I do like that cop character. I do like Mr. Cool. I like that he's he's not this kind of cop who's I mean, he realizes that, you know, he he's on the beat in a kind of a poor area and instead of, you know, going after every person and mm-hmm. um, you know, locking up every person and being really aggressive and stuff like that, he's actually trying to help these kids. And uh I really like that. I do, because uh you know, that I think is what poor stricken areas lack. They they're kind of always seen as the bad area of town, the bad this, the bad that. When in reality, they're just it's just misguided, right? Misguided youth, you know, and how yep. can, everything well, can, just yeah, everything can you know, and things can go wrong. Don't get me wrong. I mean, I I know that you know it's not always you know apple pie and and happiness, but at the same time, having a character like Mister Cool really kind of you know, it makes the kids seem, I mean, these kids are doing, you know, juvenile delinquent type stuff, but having a character like Mr. Cool makes you realize that these are just children, ultimately. And, that, yeah. you know, children sometimes right. get locked into some bad things and stuff. So I really like that. Uh, yeah, and it does have a really nice feel. I mean, it's it's got this very, you know, well, I mean, like we were talking about, the amateur acting in it is very, is very well done. I mean, sometimes with amateur acting, you know, it, well, it's definitely a minefield. I mean, it can go wrong easily, but uh, I think it works really well in this. And uh, you know, I watched it on YouTube. <clears throat> it's not the greatest print to watch on YouTube, but it is very watchable. I should say, uh, I had no problems watching it. I could see everything. I was kind of worried about the dark scenes, but I could see everything. But uh, I kind of like also the double meaning of the title. How they call Mister Cool a, a, a together brother. Yeah, yeah, and then you, call, man. yeah, and then yeah. they they kind of got the uh, you know the fact that these are together brothers, uh, you know yeah. everybody's a brother and and helping each other and stuff. But I, I really like that, and uh, yeah, man, the uh, the the reveal of the Lincoln Kilpatrick character is is classic. And that apartment, man, that looks like uh, well, that looks like GGTMC Studios here in uh, <laughs> here in uh, New Gra- New Granada, you know. So. <laughs> <laughs> to kind of speak to the next film, but uh, yeah, it's uh, it's very interesting. But I think this is an an underseen little gem of a movie, and it is it is an exploitation film to a degree, but it's also, I think, a socially relevant film uh, for Absolutely. its time period. Uh, unlike some black exploitation films, which are strictly you know entertainment films, yes, uh, that's right. Then there's always a little slight politics to it this is very heavy i think with political overtones and stuff and what's going sure. on and uh and for that you know it's it's almost it i mean i'm not saying it's an insult to call it 
a black exploitation because I don't I don't consider black exploitation an insulting genre. Same here. Uh, I know what you mean, no, man. But it, it almost doesn't fit in that realm because I think it's uh, you know like I say a socially relevant film made for its time and almost it seems like completely forgotten, um, yeah. which is really really a shame and i'm hoping that you know maybe by covering on the show more people will see it and seek it out like say it is available on youtube and of course there's other means of getting it and stuff but i really hope they kind of put this out in a in a nice release because it definitely deserves to be put out i don't understand why it isn't out i don't know if it's a rights thing i don't know if it's a uh i don't know what it is sometimes when this stuff pops up on these streaming services like hulu and stuff it can sometimes be you know rights or public domain or who knows but uh, yeah, I hope somebody gets on it and stuff because I, you know, I think it's, I think it's largely forgotten, sadly. So well, that is, yeah. It, I even had a daydream, like, man, if we ever get a GTTMC label, this will be one of the first films we put out. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's one of those type of films where you know you you wish you could just put more more people onto it. So, you know, I'm hoping that'll be the case. But uh, yeah, Davey, I'll kick it over to you if you got some more things to okay, add. Okay, cool. Yeah. Well, I, I just have to say that I'm, I'm really. I'm, I'm so glad that y'all had that reaction to it. I was, I was, I was hoping that, uh, um, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd always second guess myself and think it's, you know, somebody's going to say, what's this Hardy boy shit, you know, but, but, uh, you know, but, uh, uh but, uh, it's, that's, that's, I mean, it seems like y'all, yeah, or, well, I mean, obviously y'all, y'all, uh, got the same reaction to it as I do. And, uh, you know, I just, I mean, y'all kind of covered pretty much everything. Uh, you know, I, I, uh, you know, one of the things I was going to say, and, you know, I've just got a couple of, things to mention just about lines in it and, and a couple of scenes but but one of the things that i really like about this movie is and and y'all touched on it a lot but that um that these kids are i mean that, that you know they you know band together to, to to figure out uh who did this crime and try to try to solve it um uh but nobody cares they're the only people that care about this like um yeah. The, the the police there's that line early on where where one of the cops and it's a black cop just says man he's he just got too close to the jungle you know and and in, in regards to mr cool and it it you know seems like uh even mr cool's wife at the funeral says like no you know you know my dad my husband's death was worthless and just you know like um writes it off and and uh, even like the 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 local you know, I mean, the, their local criminals don't care. Like nobody cares, and every and you know, and even like you know, Vega tries to tries to you know, like you know, uh, dissuade himself from from the situation. But uh, but it's like they're they're doing it on their own, you know. And and like you said, like you said, well, they're they're. I mean, they have to negotiate a whole lot of uh, you know, incredibly difficult situations through the movie to to kind of get to where they're what they're going. But uh, um, yeah, I mean, just the that the 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 location of the film i mean you know there's that thing i was saying about galveston but it's just you know yeah it's i mean it is an impoverished area and and that just oppressive heat and uh, just the look of it is 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 really unique um but uh, uh i was gonna say uh, got that um oh I, I like you know there's a lot of lines like when they uh when they first kind of have their run in with the cops and one of the guys is mouthing off and another one says he ain't trying to be funny. He's just stupid. <laughs> yeah. And it, it, that's another thing that kind of gives that, you know, you really, it's just these, you know, most of the other guys in the gang don't get a lot to do, but you get those little lines and stuff like that where it's like, you know, yeah, you can see that they, they're the, that friendship while they kind of, you know, hang out together or whatever. But, uh, um, the little kid, Oh, well, see, even like, you know, um, Glenn Truman's character, as this, you know, kind of community leader or psychologist or whatever he was there, um, uh, you know, um, social worker or whatever, 
he doesn't even trust uh, um, HJ. He tells him to roll up his sleeves, you know, to see if he, he's got track marks. Right. You know, it's so, uh, yeah, so, so they're, I mean, they're up against it. You know, they don't have any, any support other than just themselves. That's um, true. But, uh, yeah, and, and I, I just love the whole bit with Vega and that set piece. And especially, uh, I've got a note here that uh, Vega's uh, proto-members-only um, shirtless, uh, no, no shirt combo is, is quite nice. I, Amazing. <laughs> but, uh, um, you know, and I was kind of wondering, I was going to ask you guys a question that, that I thought kind of the investigation part of it and kind of like the, I guess it's the end of the second act of the film. I was, you know, I, again, kind of second guessing myself. I was wondering if y'all thought that that slowed the film very no. much. Okay. No, cool. no, I don't think it did. But, uh, I, I think it was. Well, I think it was well made. I think that uh, the the mystery aspects of the film were uh, the kind of uh, uh, procedural type stuff that we kind of talked about when we talked about Barco a little bit. That kind of procedural stuff I kind of enjoyed. I kind of liked watching the kids go through that. Awesome. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that this film, it, it's there's a mystery to it, but it doesn't hinge on that. It doesn't hinge on the. Um, the procedure doesn't hinge on any one thing. It does everything it does well enough that um, it never gets bogged down for me. I mean, I'm interested in the sights and sounds and the the motivations of these characters. And you know. yeah, uh, uh, and just I mean, I, and I'll I've got a hundred notes here, but I don't want to burn anything for people or just kind of go on and on oh, about keep, it. Keep going, go on a little bit, man. This was a film you, uh, you pushed for a long time, man. Don't, this is your, this is your chance, man. Oh, uh, I, I don't know. There's, there's a, a scene in a, in a whorehouse there that, uh, that's pretty funny as you're going into it, you get, uh, uh, some signs on the wall. One of them that says "Thank you" on the exit door, <laughs> and, and another one that says "No fooling around." Which I don't yeah, know. I, I wrote down that note. The "No fooling around" sign. <laughs> but uh, and a uh, conversation between two uh, prostitutes that involves the line, "I got more good time between my toes than you got between your bow legs." So <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, um, yeah, and you know the the there's a uh, you know when it kicks in at the end, man, it it's it's pretty much a dead run and there's a bit of a, well, it's the, the, the ending of it is, is very, very tense. And, you know, there, I mean, there's a bit where, you know, uh, a character has to make a decision that's your typical, you know, like, don't do it, man, type thing where I'm almost like, man, <laughs> I could go either way on this. You know, yep. about <laughs> yep, <I'm with> you. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's just, <laughs> Especially, you know, those kind of events in the, in the third act there are, are pretty heavy duty. But um, oh yeah, uh, and uh, you know, baby, my baby. Um, but uh, oh yeah, and then there's a uh, ends with freeze frame. So another uh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but yeah, man, I can I can sum I can, I can sum it up with that. That's uh, um, you know, we can get on to the ratings and all that stuff. Nice. All right, large William. What'd you think? Make or break MVT. I, uh, I had a real, I had a real hard time keeping my headphones on. Fuck, I keep knocking them <laughs> off my head. Um, I had a real hard time picking a, a singular scene that that kind of uh, did it for me. Where um, are my notes? Um, oh, um, oh man. Uh, I'm going to say the scene at the transvestite's apartment, like the the two scenes we see there, just because the first scene 
um, just to see that again, a slice of life. It, it wasn't necessarily the best scene in the film, but like I said, I struggled to pick a singular scene because there isn't really a weak scene in the film for me or nothing that feels like filler. Like it's a, it's a lean film for me. I think it's about what, between 90 and a hundred minutes long. Yeah. Yeah. Something like that. Um, but just to see that and to see, um, kind of the, the nervousness and the, uh, the, the, this, this, the whole exchange between HJ and, and the transvestite. And then the return when someone walks through the door. Yeah. Pretty horrific, pretty, pretty wild stuff. Um, MVT, gosh, I could go with Graham, go with the cast, but I think I'm just going to go with overall everyone contributing to this, having a real authentic feel. Um, one of the great things I love about film is how it allows me to peek into worlds that I don't see otherwise. And then you could say worlds because this is some people's worlds. This is some people's, you know, the way they live and, and their whole world is kind of is in a, this little bubble. And, you know, just like a lot of us kind of live in our own bubbles of sorts. And I just, I love being able to get a peek into to somewhere else and see how other people live and just how authentic it felt. And it's just, just a breath of fresh air, man. Like, you know, I guess I always see New York or, or LA or Philly or, you know, Chicago, certain big cities or, you know, Houston or something, but to, to see Galveston and just to see these few city blocks, man, I really dug it and really something else. And I'm gonna give this film an eight out of 10, man. I really, uh, I really liked it a lot, man. I wish this thing had a great release. And like I said, if I ever strike it rich, or you know, Sammy and I ever win the, win the Powerball lottery, we'll be putting, we'll be buying the rights and putting the film out on the GGTMC label, man. Yay! Yeah. <laughs> Indeed, yes. <laughs> With uh, Davey doing the commentary on it. First, man. <laughs> yeah, nice. I'm there. The um, uh, make or break for me is the chase scene toward the end. I really thought that was very uh, intense. I did. I mean, oh, I, yeah. I really like the uh, the kid getting chased. I mean, it was pretty crazy, and uh, there's a lot of like stalking of the young Tommy character that I found pretty both creepy, yeah, and very, very, you know, very, like I said, very giallo esque, like you said earlier. So, uh, very good stuff. Um, and also by that point, you've kind of earned that chase, right? I mean, they've kind of earned that yes. tense moment, which I kind of enjoyed. Um, my MVT for this is going to be Kilpatrick. I mean, he's just really so good as this awful character. <laughs> Billy Most, baby. Billy, Billy Most. Most yeah, he is fucking, oh. yeah, Billy Most is one of those great bad guy <laughs> characters, man. He's just he's so... Ugh. You fuck with Billy Most, you're going to die. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, there's, and there's some strange... I, I don't know... You know, there's some strange, like, child stuff going on, too. And I don't know what it is. I don't, I don't think it's anything. I don't. I don't think it's as creepy as we think it no, might be. No, no, no. But it's, I didn't get that. But. Yeah, but it's still creepy, right? It's yeah. still just. Ugh. Well, because Kilpatrick's creepy. <laughs> Everything he'd yeah. go to get an order an ice cream cone, and it would seem creepy. That's true. <laughs> this is true. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Fucking sweaty, oily face, eyeliner, just you know, caked on. And... He might be the. He might be my new favorite bad guy that walks through a beaded hallway uh, by <laughs> beaded interest. <laughs> Which is a you know that's a that's definitely a uh, a movie convention you know the bad guy that walks through the beaded room you know that's what the Oscars yeah, yeah. that's bad <laughs> but uh, yeah I mean he, he, the way he comes through those beads man is like ugh <laughs> with that can of beer that you know is is like fucking totally room temperature <laughs> like, oh like, yeah, yeah yeah exactly yeah, ugh, skunk beer. <laughs> 
Uh, my score's a little higher than yours. It's 8.25. I really enjoyed this film. I had never seen it, and uh, yeah, definitely a high recommend. I recommend everybody check it out. Uh, definitely underseen and needs to be needs to be more seen. And so, I, Before I forget, you can find it in the usual place. Yep. Very good print. Uh, uh, transfer, or whatever. And awesome. uh, you can also find it. Um, how, how would you rate the, the, the one you watched on YouTube, Sammy? Like, uh, I know 1 to 10. If 10 is like Christine... Uh, maybe a six and a half. It's a little rough, but you. Yeah, but okay. the good news is, is you can see the the dark scenes, which is always the you know. Remember when we did can't what the the review. I was going to ask you how was it compared to Candy Tangerine Man. Uh, it was infinitely better than Candy Tangerine Man, which oh, was rough. God, that was the worst fucking movie we've ever covered, print wise. Print wise, yeah, because you couldn't see what was going on in the dark at all. Oh, so muddy. But this one, uh, even during the dark scenes, uh, it's a little it's a little muddy, but it's totally legible what you can see. So, uh, yeah, so you can check it out that way uh, for free. It's in ten parts, which is kind of irritating, but uh, it is it is good though. And uh, I would you know if you don't want to go the other route, I would definitely recommend checking it out. Davy, okay, um, my make or break is uh, the the death of Mister Cool, and because uh, yeah. um, it just slams you into it right after that. There's a, you know, and again, that's not giving anything away. It's the whole, you know, no. it says it, it says it in the tagline for the movie, but, right. but, uh, and, but specifically, um, the discovery of the witness and what the bad guy does, uh, the, he, uh, yeah, <laughs> you know, right in the kid's face, basically, yeah. you know, and not, that, I don't mean that that's not a bad way. It's, it's just a shocking, you know, uh, um, you know, luckily he had, uh, but anyway, but, uh, but it's just, yeah, it's, it's one of the most like, holy shit moments like i've ever seen in a movie just terrifying you know but but yeah. uh, um but uh, yeah that's that's a pretty heavy duty scene again you know it's like i said when the when the violence comes in this movie it comes heavy mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. but uh my mvt is uh and i'm, I'm gonna have to uh, to give this up to you uh to like again like i said my uh, man crush uh, cdr because i, t- I talked to him a lot about this movie um over the you know last several months or whatever and uh and you know and i was talking when i picked it for the show i was kind of talking to him about it and, and everything and and i had like i listed well i'm thinking about x y and z and you know all these different things and you know it's it's is it the kids you know or is, is it the the cast or is it the location or whatever and you know and he just kind of came up with it which which I, he came up with just such a brilliant uh summation of of all my random thoughts that i thought was just so great so i gotta credit him for, for this but it's basically it's uniqueness within the genre yeah. um that there's yeah. not nice. there's not another black exploitation movie like it and that location does play into the the uniqueness of it. Um, it, it stands out, and this is this is his line, kind of verbatim. But uh, it stands out among the job talking evil white man, New York, L.A. cool guy flicks that make up the majority of the genre. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, yep. I think that's and why, I, I think that's why it kind of it hasn't been released. I don't know if it's very sellable, a hard sell or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it doesn't have it's, that. It's betwixt in between, right? It's between genres. It's <laughs> it's not cool enough for the average. And a rompy film goer, and it's it's um, not arty enough for some art house snobs. So it, it comes to people like us who appreciate both worlds and fall in love. It's kind of one of those things, like you know, it's in talking about you know, I was looking at it. I just kind of looked up uh, some you know, like a list of black exploitation movies by, by year on uh, I don't know if it was on IMDb, but GB, but somewhere. But uh, I mean, 70, 1974 was a heavy year for that genre, and I mean, like most of the you know, the, the big names or whatever. And so this is right in the middle of that, but you know, I would kind of put this one 
and, and flexportation is not my, not my wheelhouse either. And I, I don't necessarily consider this. I mean, I, I guess so, whatever, you know, I mean, maybe it's part of that, but I kind of consider it, it, it along the lines of something like across 110th street, which I mean, yeah, I don't see that as on. just like, you know, a, a straight no, up. It's more than that's right. You know, and, and, and you know, like you, you guys were saying it, it, that, that movie too has some, some more of those kind of like political and social overtones. Like it's actually trying to say something. It's not, you know, Fred Williamson in a, you know, frogman suit with an M16 or whatever. <laughs> Um, but, uh, you know, and I guess my, my, uh, I was really struggling with my, uh, rating of it, but, you know, I mean, I, you know, I guess I'd put it at like 8.5, but, but if we were going to do that thing, like, uh, um, like the feminine critique gals do with the, you know, your rating on the film and then quality of life or whatever. I mean, it's like, you know, nine plus for me, just because it's, it's one of those films that, uh, you know, that, that I kind of. You know, obviously, other people. You know, I came on it for, through other people's recommendation, but it's just one of those ones that that I found and and uh, I found for myself and have really just really fell in love with it. So it, it's it's just one that's it's it's just a, a sincere favorite of mine. So so yeah, it's it's you know eight point five nine whatever. I love it. Amazing. You I'm so glad that you guys make it. Nice. Well, we're so glad you picked it. I think it would make a great double too with the film that I love. Uh, it looks the the African American experience is Killer of Sheep. Oh yeah! Right. Wow. Just again, one that doesn't really fit inside anything. It's it's an African American independent film that I I love. I think it's got some beautiful poetic step moments in it. So different film than that certainly, but in terms of their uh, you know look outside of of the norms of of the genre. And can I just say that uh, Lincoln Kilpatrick has like he looks like. Um, like he has like you know uh, fucking Charles Bronson Chato or Chato hair with the head with, with the fucking headband on. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> nice man. Can you imagine wearing all that like heavy knit, super tight clothing oh. in that? You know what's well, so hot? Everything and he's got like a like a snow cap on too. <laughs> Jeez, I'd be just so fucking miserable. I'd be sweating so much. Yeah. <laughs> all right, so that's our thoughts on uh, Together Brothers. We're gonna take a short break. Come back and talk about Over the Edge. We'll be back right after this. What can you expect from Film Brave? It's the type of film that just grabs your ball the balls and doesn't let go. And if you don't have balls, it will attach balls to your body just to grab it, hold of them, and not let go. Right, I can't even play about this. He's a prick. Except that plain he's a prick. Take a strap on up the ass. I don't care. Don't sit through this movie. Wasting my fucking time with this inept, stupid, boring, unfunny annoying, dull, brainless, stupid, effortless, pointless, useless movie. I hated this movie. This is an F, a complete F, but I don't even think F is good enough for this piece of shit. This is, this is a fucking failure. Splendid! Go to filmraves.lipson.com, freakingawesomenetwork.com, or go to iTunes and search Justin Oberholzer's Filmrave and subscribe. Cheerio!
Welcome back. Broadcasting live from the Cadillac dealership in New Granada. <laughs> from New Granola. <laughs> in New Granola. <laughs> can, can I just say, man, I really wish, really wish they had to use the five stair steps for the spinners version of that song. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah that, that's, a, that's a good version. Uh, the uh, was, I think it's Linda Carter, I think. I, I can't remember. Val- Valerie Carter. Valerie Carter, Valerie Carter. not Linda Carter. <laughs> Linda Carter, I'm thinking of something else. But, uh, yeah. But yeah, Valerie Carter. Yeah, that uh, she she always that, that version always reminds me of like a Jackson Five version. It almost sounds like Michael Jackson a little bit. Like yeah, the down, you're right. Some of their down tempos. You're right. No, for sure. Yeah, some of his youthful vocal uh, harmony type stuff. But yeah, uh, you know, I'll, I'll bring it up later. But but uh, that was in, supposed to be an entirely different song, <laughs> like oh, yeah. entirely different song. <laughs> anyway, yeah. But, well, it's it's a weird song in the context of the film because uh, the film is mostly, uh, you know, classic rock and uh, stuff like that, and it's very strange that 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 song is in the film in a way because it kind of like stands out. It was a yeah, it was there was actually a, a production choice like it was kind of taken out of their hands to as to I mean the original choice was much more fitting. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we'll get to that in just a little bit. All right, so the. Uh, Plot summary for Over the Edge. Uh, New Granada is a planned community set in the desert where there is nothing for the kids to do save for the rec center, which closes at 6 p.m. <laughs> All right. So we'll leave it at that. I, do, I, do, I will say the tagline, too, that uh, is on uh, IMDb is, is really great. The uh, Nobody listened, nobody cared until the night they went over the edge. <laughs> So yeah, there there you go. So that that kind of sells it too to kind of give you guys an idea of what it's about. Okay, so uh, if anybody wants to lead, that's fine. Uh, if not, I'm I'll be glad to lead. I don't care. Um, that's that'd be great if you want to. Oh okay, well, definitely down for it. I have a uh, great history with this film. I'm one of the few who uh, got to see this on HBO on its original run. Uh, nice. Back when it was made, it was made and uh, wasn't released, I believe. And uh, HBO kind of picked it up. At the time, or they kind of pushed it a little bit on their uh, show, and you know we were early adopters in cable, my family and I, and uh, you know it was something that we, looking back on as a, as a grown man, I bet my mom and dad paid out the ass for it, and, and uh, you know we we were probably going without meals to have cable television, <laughs> not knowing it, you know, as a kid because I was just so happy to see movies that had cuss words and boobs in them, you know what I mean? So I was I was pumped, you know, to have that access at home. And uh, but this is one of the ones I saw early uh, in the mid '80s, early '80s, and uh, I think it was '82 uh, or '83, maybe when I saw '81, somewhere in there. Oh, wow. So, and I identified with it oddly enough because I went through a period of my life where, you know, I rebelled against everything, and when I rebelled, this is what kids rebelled like. They, uh, uh, yeah, they wore coonskin caps and <laughs> lived li- lived in the swamp. <laughs> No, uh, uh, the uh, the kind of rock and roll, drugs and alcohol thing uh, was definitely uh, during my rebellious period was was definitely there, and uh, so I identified with it quite heavily, and and because of that, I've always identified with you know Matt Dillon as part of my youth. Now we talked about Matt not too long ago when we did Rumblefish, and uh, me and Will are both big fans of Matt. How do you feel about Matt uh, Dillon, Davy? Oh, I love him. Yeah. <laughs> it's a, he's, he's, yeah, no, I think he's one of the, I mean, y'all, I've, uh, was you guys that were talking about it recently or maybe the SMG guys or whatever, but he's really, uh, I mean, he's got a solid body of work and, and unfortunately that doesn't seem to work so much anymore, but, uh, but, um, 
yeah, no, I mean, I think that, that uh, I mean, in, you can see it in this, you know, I mean, that, that he's just got, you know, that magnetism and uh, just a, yeah, no, he's, he's, he's great. But he, he, I think this is his, uh, I believe it's his first film. I believe it is, yeah. Yeah. Th- yeah. Looking uh, real young, man. Yeah, yeah. He's, I think, he was 14, yeah. yeah. 14 years old, so very young. And he, uh, this is one of those great Hollywood stories, you know. He ditched school or something, went to a movie audition just for fucking shits and giggles. And next thing you know, he's got a career. Yeah. Some of those fucked up things, you know. But, uh, yeah, I agree. He doesn't work that much. Uh, and not not enough, anyway. Um and uh, sadly, I think the era of actors like Matt Dillon, uh, I think it's pretty much uh, gone. I mean, he 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 was kind of like uh, you know, he kind of came in the tail end of '70s, and some of his '80s work was very '70s inspired, obviously. And he kind of caught on with all that stuff. But uh, then, of course, you know, the '90s and the 2000s come along, and I think you know he's an actor made for the '70s who kind of you know, it's almost like he's. He's in some very strange stuff now, uh, <laughs> stuff like old dogs of all fucking things and stuff like oh, that. Oh wow! <laughs> but uh, yeah, he's in some very strange stuff nowadays. But uh, yeah, no, yeah, I mean, I, I I adore him, and obviously the cast of this film is pretty great. Um, the guy that plays uh, what's his name? Is his name? Uh, oh, what's the name of the lead character's name? I can't remember. His oh, name. Oh, Michael uh, Kramer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Carl. Yeah, good old yeah. Carl. Michael Eric Kramer. Uh, I thought we were going to see a young uh, Cosmo Kramer. Or whatever. You know, I got so mixed up. I just realized what I did on air. I saw Michael Kramer, and I thought to myself, oh, wow, we're going to see a young Michael Richards. And I just realized the error of my ways because I said Cosmo Kramer. Well, whoops. Right. <laughs> you know, he's been, in, he's been in a few things, and he was in some films when I was growing up as well um, that uh, I'm aware of. Uh, I know that uh, he was in... Oh, what was the one? Uh, always in Return to Horror High, which I always huh. laugh about because that's one of the ones that uh, uh, <laughs> that was one of the ones they used to that one of my teachers in school used to show to kids. It's rated R, by the way, <laughs> but it was it was a different time. It was more yeah. you know, harmless time. In a in a weird bit of doing research for the show, and a weird bit of uh, thing to find out that Michael Eric Kramer has actually got a PhD in clinical psychology. I don't know why. And he works with combat veterans nowadays. Post traumatic stress disorder. Oh, well. huh. So crazy, you know, it's one of those things. But and Harry Northup's in here who's worked with Scorsese and others and a very young Vincent Spano. I was about to say that, yeah. So this is the second film with Vincent Spano and Matt Dillon we've done. Yeah, <laughs> and, that's uh, right, man. Within oh, a month. Yeah, because y'all just did uh y'all just did uh, Rumblefish. Rumblefish. Yeah, that's you Spano wish y'all were fucking wearing just annoying in his fucking sunglasses. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Oh man, he's like the kid with like, the propeller hat. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I identify with this a lot. Now I'll talk a little bit about the uh, obviously the director Jonathan Kaplan. He's been on our show several times. Uh, yeah. Matter of fact, uh, I think we did almost like three of the films he did in a row, and I think this might make it the fourth film. And well, no, we didn't. Uh, okay, if you go with the slams. Truck Turner and White Line Fever, which we did do in a row, uh, as far as him goes. We did it also. I think we, well, I think we did Truck Turner first. But, uh, yeah, we did do White Line Fever. And the only thing we haven't done in this little five-film run he has here is we haven't done Mr. Billion, which is the Terrence Hill uh, trying to make it an America film. (laughs) They try to sell (laughs) it. I've never seen that. Yeah, it's really bizarre uh, in a way. But, uh, yeah, Over the Edge kind of, you know, that this was – after this, I think he did a lot of TV work, and he did a few other films. I know Heart Like a Wheel, which I've always talked about, and Unlawful Entry, Project yeah. X, which a lot of people saw him. And the very aptly 
as far as GGC, GGTMT titles go, TV movies, The Gentleman Bandit and The Hustler of Muscle Beach. <laughs> yeah. It's a great title, The Hustler of Muscle Beach. Who stars in that anyway? I wonder. Uh, I'll tell you right now. <laughs> we can kill Patrick. <laughs> yes. Oh, Kay, nice. Kay Lenz, uh, Richard Hatch. Ooh, Richard Hatch. Oh, yeah. Well, Pro uh, Franco Colombo, man. Wow. Oh, there oh, we go. Paul Bartel. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> Might have to get on that. Yeah. <laughs> Colombo's in it. Yeah. yeah. Colombo. Colombo. <laughs> Might have to get into that a little bit. <laughs> Watch him, watch him pick a car so up. That's, that's, that's what Kay Mahler said about Franco. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, we get uh, some great stuff in here. Um, Matt Dillon in a half shirt. He's got a he got the <laughs> oh, half, shirt. half shirt. Man. Yeah. And then he's got a mesh half well, shirt. I don't know, a mesh shirt at one point in time, but it's tucked in his pants. That's an interesting <laughs> style choice. You know, it's like he, he's all business with the mesh shirt, man. It's very, very strange. It's, the, the half shirts, I would even go so far as to call it like uh, a third shirt. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it is pretty short, yeah. Right. yeah you're right <laughs> yeah, very but uh this uh you know the j&b pops in around 12 43 yep. which i think uh me oh, and yeah. will both mentioned on the facebook group and uh, we saw it of course you know we always yeah, are looking right. for it but it's interesting to see it in you know american films it's always interesting to see um i'll say that this film also both films this week are, are very political in a lot of ways and uh mm-hmm. this one might be more uh, in the face of what society kind of sees kids like nowadays, I, I think almost uh, the, the kind of kids who, you know, the parents do well and everything. And yet the, uh, and they live in the suburbs and stuff and the kids are bored and uh, you know, the crazy things can happen, you know, idle hands and all that stuff. Uh, yeah, for sure. It's definitely in the face of a lot of the craziness that goes on in the world nowadays. Uh, this film wouldn't be made today. Uh, not like this. Not with this type of uh, a cast. Not with actual kids uh, mm-hmm. handling firearms and dealing with the violence and things like that. Um, oh, yeah. It just, it's, it's not a film that I think you could get away with making today. I think people would be too Never. offended by it now. And yeah, it would have to have it would it would have to be much more after school special, yeah, and, precautionary tale. Yeah. Uh, and the th- interesting thing is, even when this film came out, from doing some research, its release was limited because of a lot of the gang violence and stuff that stemmed from the the warriors and the wa- the wanderers. Um, uh, you know, from some of the, the sort of gang youth films of the time. So this this release kind of got chopped down as far as how expanded a release it was based on that. And, yeah, you couldn't get this thing made today the same way. Yeah. 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 And, and for Kaplan, it's a very interesting film, too. It's it's definitely got the exploitation elements that he knew how to use in some ways. But in other ways, it's actually maybe out of his exploitation stuff, his most mature film, uh, I mean, obviously, Truck Turner is probably his favorite film that, or my favorite film that he did. Oh, no uh, question. But it's, but that's you know a totally different type of film than this, uh, in some ways. And you know, I enjoy the Slams, and I enjoy White Line Fever, and you know, I enjoy Mr. Billion for what it is, and Heart Like a Wheel, and things like that. And and I enjoy most of his stuff. Uh, he works in a lot of TV now nowadays, but. I really like the kind of overall political message he's really trying to push in this one and uh, how it's not real heavy-handed. It's just there. Yeah. Um, 
the way he handles the parents and the grown-ups in this is a little there's a little bit of buffoonery in spots yeah but but overall it, it does strike me as interesting because i think successful parents sometimes can forget that uh you know their kids still needs to be paid attention to quite a bit and i think the carl parents are, the mo- are the, probably the most interesting some of the most interesting characters in the film because they want to do right by carl uh they want to give him and offer him everything that they may not have had and you know stuff like that but the way they're going about it it's like they're totally ignoring him too and uh that's always a tricky and slippery slope as a you know as a parent you, know, you can provide and do everything else, give a kid a roof, give a kid this, and give a kid that. But sometimes just paying attention to them might be what they really need. And uh, you really get that sense with Carl that he's really left to run free. Uh, now, don't get me wrong. I think all kids should definitely explore certain avenues and and do certain things because, you know, ultimately they're going to do it anyway, whether you let them do it or not. But uh, at the same well, time. Get- you get that sense that that Carl's. I mean, and they they you know it's it's as he's presented in the film, but that, that Carl's a, you know a good kid that he's good yeah. in school and everything, yeah. and and that that his parents are, are largely like they just don't understand. They're like, well, wait a minute, no, but you're you're a good kid. Why are you why are you doing this? And they're yeah, it's it's kind of like they're assuming something that oh yeah, he's on the right path. Just let him go. You know. Yeah. Yeah. So. Well, I mean, the the Carl character is very similar to the way, in in a lot of ways, I grew up. I mean, I was always a kid that did well. I mean, I never had problems in school. I never had any issues. Yeah. But I would hang out with the kids who did not. I loved mm-hmm. hanging out with the kids who were not going to finish school, who were not yeah. going to mm-hmm. uh, not going to go do go on and do other things. You know, uh, you mm-hmm. know, who sadly would end up in in jail or juvenile centers mm-hmm. or something like that. Because that's just the kids I was attracted to hanging out with. I mean, they, they, I never really got, I mean, I did certain things, obviously, that, you know, as an adult, I wish I would have done. But at the same time, it was part of the growing experience. And it was just what I was attracted to. It wasn't that they were the bad kids. It wasn't the, the bad boy thing. It was the bad kid thing. It was yeah. just that I related more to that. And um, maybe it was the, you know, my upbringing and stuff like that. But I did feel like, you know, I needed a group of guys who understood me. Yeah. Uh, even though, you know, I was always an oddball in that group too. I was an oddball in every group I was in because, and me and Will have kind of talked about this uh, in the past that, you know, I could hang out with the, the quote unquote, uh, geeky kids who love the, uh, you know, the star Wars and the movie just stuff and read books and did all these things. Uh-huh. And I say quote unquote, because, you know, that's only geeky. If you're a child as an adult, you obviously you realize it's not geeky. It's just what kids are into. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, as or what people are into, yeah, yeah, or what people are into, right? Uh, and as you know, but I also could relate to, you know, firing up a joint and listening to, uh, you know, in this case, listening to Cheap Trick or something. But for me, it was mostly like you know Sabbath and things like that, and hanging out in the woods and and getting drunk as a teenager and all these type of things, and just doing you know crazy teenage shit and having a good time. I could I could play both sides of that fence, so I never really had too much of an issue fitting in because I could do both sides of it. Sure, and uh, that's what I feel like these kids are to a degree. Well, I feel like the Carl character in, in particular is that way, and mm-hmm. uh, that's what I find so interesting about him. Uh, obviously, the Matt Dillon character is the is is one end of the extreme. The Vincent Spano character is the extreme end yeah. of the extreme, and then of course there's the other kids too, who you know you feel like you know. Are, 
the thing about being a teenager, and not to get too deep on the show, but you know, we've all been teenagers. But the thing about being a teenager, sometimes you you don't feel like you can say how you feel. So sometimes you have to act like how you feel. Yeah. And it, it's a, it's a weird time in a person's life. It, you really come to this crossroads where you know you, you can you can to use the GGTMC term, you can make or break your life in a lot of ways. Sure. Uh, because you can choose a path, and every teenager has to kind of go through that. And uh, hopefully they choose the right path for them. Uh, unfortunately, some don't. And fortunately, some do. So, you know, I can tell you this. Where I ended up in my life, if you'd have known me when I was a teenager, I, you never would have thought I would have ended up where I'm at now. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, I mean, even even a haircut was a stretch for me. Okay? So, you know, as, uh, you know, Tarantino would say, all right. I mean, you know, you know so... <laughs> So, but I mean that that was a stretch for me, and even not smoking or not drinking or you know even a haircut, those things were major changes for me. So, well, yeah, it's it's you know it's 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 really like that that point in your life where you've got enough of the tools that you, you know, like well, I'm going to start making decisions for myself, and mm-hmm. and uh, you know and and you know it, it maybe it you know there's I mean maybe when you're 14 that's probably not you know I mean that, that there you still do need a little bit of guidance there or whatever but it's that time where it's like yeah I mean it's that that kind of rebellious thing where it's like man you know I don't you know I need to make start making decisions on my own and I need right. to be respected for for what I think of and what I believe and everything and, and often you know you kind of still run into that structure that's around you that that's uh, that's that's not that's probably leading you uh, or that's constricting you or something. So, right. yeah, for sure. Well, and also, I mean, what what this film does when it plays on the exploitation elements is that it obviously plays on the the parents' fear genre, mm-hmm. the, uh, the juvenile delinquent genre, the way that kids, when they get to be teenagers and stuff, kids can be scary to adults mm-hmm. because they can, make a, they can make adult moves as yeah. yet, and yeah. yet they're not mature exactly. enough to realize what they're doing, right? Yeah. So that right. that plays on an adult's fears. I mean, that's that's a scary concept. You think about all the kids in the world, all the teenagers right now, and if they wanted to rebel, <laughs> you know, it, it would be a tough fight for a lot of people because, you know, I mean, to put it in exploitation for, uh, terms, if if every every kid gets armed and gets crazy, <laughs> you know, it would put a lot of people on the spot because, you know, now not only are you fighting to save, you know whatever but you're fighting children so it, it makes it tough and it, it's interesting that's the most exploitive element of this film is that you know this kind of craziness uh that these kids kind of go through and stuff but i do like the kind of misguidance of the parenting issues and stuff as an as an adult now seeing the film i relate to it the other side of the coin for sure yes which is you know now i see what the adults are going through mm-hmm. and that this is a really slippery slope really tricky thing and you know these kids need to be paid attention to, not treated like, you know, idiots. Uh, yeah. And and the, and the cop characters need to listen. Yeah, 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 right. Yeah, the cop characters in here are very black hat. Yeah, they're very. They they're very. You know, that's definitely the exploitation element again, because they're definitely they don't understand these kids, and so they just immediately think, you know, drugs are bad, the kids are bad, let's lock them up, that'll fix the problem. Well, we we know now in society that. Busting kids, locking them up, and everything else—that's not fixing anything. That—that's actually destroying things. I think that's real, and that's that's one of the things where I, you know, I feel that this 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 movie. I mean, in you know, again, uh, where I mean, one of the only times where it, this movie steps wrong is the the Doberman character and the the couple of cops that have lines because it, it almost seems like you could do it even if it was a cop that was compassionate, but still like, kid, you're going down the wrong road, you know, right. and and right. you know, you've got you have. 
you have broken a law and I have to, you know, I mean, not necessarily, you know, doing them. I mean, you could have him be more stern than Mr. Cool, but but still have a, you know, a you could you could play the cop as more sympathetic, but but still be. Uh, it, but and still show that that you know, but still have that kind of authoritarian divide between the the, the teenagers. And I, the, and the, mm-hmm. anyway. I, I think I, I agree a hundred percent, Davy. I think one of my biggest problems with this film, and I'd never seen this film before. Oh, well. Yesterday, cool. Um, was the lack of nuance, especially in contrast to our previous film we talked about. Um, I felt like if this film had of. Um, had more fleshed out roles on each side of the coin, mm-hmm. it could have been a really exceptional film, mm-hmm. you know, but I think they, they, they're too quick to just kind of, uh, to just give you a black hat and a white hat in some ways. I mean, you can look at it like you, you guys were saying from the other side, now that I'm older, it's just like watching kids, the Larry Clark film as a, yeah. a kid, I loved it. And, you know, yeah, yeah. And now I feel like, feel gross and sad watching it. Um, oh yeah. Even though it's still a good film, but you know, just gross and sad. Um, but same thing with this. Like when I was a kid, I, I totally would have been on that side. But now you can see this because like, I'm a parent. So, but I just wish that there had been more um, meeting in the middle um, uh, or the spectrum with the two sides. I, mean, I know you could say the capital was showing how, what a what a wide divide there was between the two sides. But I think there was some middle ground to be had for the sake of uh, the film. Well, the middle ground is the the uh, the counselor character, the lady that runs the. She's marginalized, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what yeah, I'm saying. That's just, a, just saying. Well, wait a sec, guys. It's okay. Yeah. Keep it open. The city bylaw. They don't. And she's just kind of literally and figuratively pushed to the side. Yeah, they don't flesh her out. So they, they so they make it definitely a you know white hat versus black hat type film, and by not fleshing her out, that's what you get. You get the yeah. basic exploitive elements of good guys versus bad guys, and. That's what it turns into. Now, I wish they would have done that, but, you know, the, the only way they really kind of show the the kind of troubled way that these films, that then these films, these kids are, is I really like the scene between Carl and the Spano character. Yeah. Where they understand each other finally. Uh-huh. And... Um, it's 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 interesting to me that these two young kids have this kind of adult conversation, and that it's one of those things where you kind of realize that as a teenager too, growing up. You, you if you look back at it, you probably had a moment in your life where you actually sat down and said, you know, hey, you know why you know why are we doing this? What do we do this for? Why you know why why is that? Why are things this way? Uh, yeah, I, I love that 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 you know Spano's the you know is essentially the heavy. Of the, well, I mean outside of the the, the cop, but but uh, right. is the heavy yeah. of the film. And but but yeah, then when you do have that scene that he's he's just like I mean he even gives constructive advice. He's just like, man, what are you doing? You know, you don't need to do this shit. You know, yeah. it's like I'm already you know I'm already here, so I'm 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 screwed. <laughs> but but uh, but yeah. he you know uh, is 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 open and honest with with uh, with, well, you know, with, with the Carl. yeah. Well, the thing is, the Spano character, it's like he it's like he you know he 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 wears a front, right? The bad boy. Yeah. And he yeah. hangs out with his kid, but but behind closed doors, the reality is, is the Spano character is. You know, a youth that you know his parents have given up on him. Yeah, and uh, you know you can say what you want to say uh, about kids and be real crass and say, well, you know that kid made their choice, you know, and I'm not going to deal with it anymore. Well, and he's a bad kid. Not as easy oh. as that. Yeah, but that's yeah. Ba- that's bad parenting. That's that's that is bad parenting. That's when you give up. When you give up and you say that kind of stuff, it's yeah. the same. It's the same logic as locking kids up for drug use. I mean, we're not 
We're not helping kids. We're just trying to we're we're trying to get a problem to go away. We're just trying to that's we're sweeping we're shit. Up. Yeah, we're sweeping that's it under right. the rug. That's all we're doing. Well, that's I, yeah. I, go ahead. Go ahead. No, go ahead, Davey. Okay. Well, I was just going to say that that that's also illustrated by the you know the uh, um, you know and there's a big thing going on here. You're talking about the the uh, dynamic of, of you know like I said looking at it as you're older and and it's like these the you know like Carl's father is trying to get this business deal done and you know and it's it's like okay well we need to close down the rec center for that day and you know so so we don't show any you know outward problems or whatever and and they're like you know the the the, they're just oblivious to the problem and it's not just like you know and i think carl's father address you know addresses it all too briefly at at the almost at the very end of the movie um but uh but yeah it's it's not just like whoa whoa we got a problem what's going on here it's just like you know we just just get rid of this problem you know, and uh, um, so, yeah, I don't know if that, that kind of addresses something <laughs> like you were saying. But anyway, no, I think it does. I was just going to go ahead, Will. No, ahead. I, I think it does, too. I was going to say I wanted to say staying corrected. I had mistook uh, the Vince's final character for the kid that wears those stupid sunglasses, like oh. the little henchman in the group. Oh. Oh, yeah. He was the, the sort of the kid that has the great kind of camp campfire chat yeah yeah with uh, uh-huh. with kramer which which is a really great scene like you guys were saying i think that you guys nailed it when you're talking about it for what it's worth yeah the uh but that is the, that is the kind of the the to the detriment of the suburbs the suburban lifestyle is that the suburbs you the further you move out the the same problems that affect the inner city affect the suburbs the yeah. only difference is the inner city doesn't have the money to hide it yeah the inner That's city right. the inner city has to wear its problems on its sleeve whereas the suburbs you can hide it and that's what money does money hides problems and i think that's where these two films are really interesting to put together because we are seeing two sides of the coin here now and when i say that i'll just be honest we're dealing with a film with black youth and we're dealing with a film with white youth totally we're dealing with the same type of elements crime uh mischief things like that drugs alcohol we're dealing with the same problems, but the and way the same region, yeah, the but same in, area, the same time frame, yeah, <laughs> but but in the way that they're dealt with, totally shows the difference in you know almost in race and how we see the world, and the way that society has taught us over the years, and but but ultimately these are the same scars that society has always had. Well, t- two things on 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 that note, which is you know, and I don't want to, I mean. Well, this is directly addresses what what you're saying there, and I don't want to jump too far ahead. But the Lane Smith character, the Texas business, uh, great character actor Lane Smith, that shows yeah, yeah. up. Um, he was uh, also in prison uh, with Lincoln Kilpatrick. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, he, uh, uh, you know, he he, uh, you know, I mean, just directly addresses that line whenever he's kind of storming out of town after things have happened. He, he says, uh, I just kind of wrote down that quote. It's like. You're in such a, uh, a hopped up hurry to get away from the city. You're turning, uh, you're turning them, your kids, into what you're trying to get away from. Yeah, uh, and yep. and that's you know again, it kind of goes to that thing where it's just you know it's it's just kind of going over their the, the parents' heads that they're trying to, um, uh, they're they're trying to just flat out address a problem instead of understand it and try to uh, you know push the children in in you know in the direction that they need to go or something. But also. Um, I was reading something. Uh, I mean, this goes to like that that limited release of the movie. There's this great um, Vice magazine article regarding this uh, this film. It's like a um, it's this wonderful oral history that came out a while back. Um, and I'd posted it a couple times. It's written by Mike Sachs, so I certainly want to 
give uh, credit where credit's due here, but, but there's a quote from the producer of the movie um, that says, uh, the real, it says, the real problem with this film is that it dealt with suburban white kids who caused a bit of violence. Never against people, mind you, but against objects. If these kids had been urban and black, I think Orion would have been scared less. So, yeah. you know, that, yeah. that's one of the, I mean, that's, you know, that guy's opinion on why this movie tanked. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's one of those things. It's like, you know, you kind of, it goes against expectations or whatever. But, um, yeah, anyway, but, but please go ahead. Yeah, yeah. no, for sure. It's very, I do again. I, no, go ahead, sorry, go ahead, no, go ahead, go ahead, buddy. No, I was just going to say, and I think that, again, it is an interesting um, double because, like I said, above and beyond the Southwest kind of youth, youth of the mid to late 70s and, the challenges that are, um, uh, and the the, the the circumstances that they're, they're thrust into or that they thrust themselves into, it is a fascinating uh, paradox. And it is certainly compare and contrast between the two and how it's handled. Like you said, to put it in plain language, uh, black youth and white youth in their element. And I think there's something, I, I think that I like, and I think one of the things that I unfortunately missed the boat for me a little bit is, I love the opening line of this film, how it talks about the the failed urban planning, which to bring back the Prudigo myth, uh, the great documentary we watched. I think there's there were some great shots like of Matt Dillon going home with his mother in the building and stuff like that, mm-hmm. and how this urban planning um, and the infrastructure just there was such a rush to just build and not to have any um, forethought to think well. And like they mentioned, I think one third of the population was 15 years of age or under. Mm-hmm. Um, and just the the, uh, the need to kind of expand and build and to not be mindful of, of uh, what they're putting in place. I liked when I first saw the film open, I thought, wow, this is really going to be something. And not to say it, it, it wasn't, but I thought that stuff could have been touched on more. Um, they could have established more. But again, I think, you know, with the runtime and what they were trying to do, maybe they would have had too many balls in the air to do that. Well, there's even the thing with the, in the you know, and just kind of... Uh, go with that on the suburban front that, that uh, you know, they end up hanging out in these half-built houses, which is something I did when I was a kid, but, um, and a lot of the same yeah. that they're doing. Thing. Oh, I didn't too. shoot a gun at somebody, but, but, um, but <laughs> anyway, uh, 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 but uh, the, the, at one point, you know, they're asking like, well, what is, you know, what, whose house is this or whatever, and they're like, I don't know, I think they ran out of money. So it's like, yeah, that expansion without, you know, it's, it's, it's uh, you know, again, that, that they're, uh, you know, they're trying to build the suburban community in, in this mad scramble and without, like, kind of uh, addressing the, you know, kind of core concerns of what's, right. what's actually going on. Right. That's right. right. And when I always laugh when I hear, you know, people say, I'll hear people talk about, you know, well, the kids would be okay if they just, if their parents would get them into something like sports or get them into this <laughs> or get them that. And, yeah, that is great if you get them into that and stuff. But guess what? There's so many kids, there's not even enough room to get all the kids into all the sports. Yeah, there's That's always right. going to be a group of kids who are going to be like this. There's always going to be these kind of kids because there's always going to be less fortunate. There's always going to be kids that just get a bad break. It's just it, it, it's a it's a small microcosm of society when you talk about children, and you know you put a bunch of kids in a room together and you can kind of see who's going to be the dominant kids, who's going to be the meek kids. It's just yeah. that's just a reality, and uh, it's a shame. But at the same time, it's it's the way society is. You can't do right by everybody. People try, which is admirable, but you can't always, and that's just the way it goes. Um, yeah, and, and kids too are just you know kind of you know can can be pretty evil on their own, and you know in their own kind of little social structures, can, right, can right, right, alienate each other, and 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 you know and and drive people to you know uh, you know have a you know. A, bad mental attitude or whatever you know i mean but can can you know 
put people in a box, you know, that's not even like, you know, well, I want to do well, you know, I want to be accepted, but it's just like, no, I'm sorry, we're not accepting. You. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. I think Tim Hunter, who helped write this film, I think he's a big part of the kind of political aspects of this film because Tim Hunter went on to direct uh, Tex and and uh, River's Edge, which is a great film. And some of these films from the 80s. And I thought Tim Hunter was going to be like this really great filmmaker. Uh, he ended up just kind of going into TV and stuff. I think he made The Saint of Fort Washington with Matt Dillon and Danny Glover and, and some other stuff. But I think he eventually just went into television and, you know, just dropped the whole movie thing altogether. But, um, you know, he made some seminal films when he made uh, Tex and River's Edge that deal with teenage angst and the problems teenagers have. And uh, I think that he's responsible for a big chunk of this one. And then, of course, Charlie Haas wrote some of it, too. And Charlie Haas is known for stuff like Gremlins 2 and things like that. So you kind of get this weird mix of a screenplay. And then you add Jonathan Kaplan to it, who I think wanted to be a serious filmmaker, but comes from the you know, exploitation realm. And I think you start to see why this film is like it is. It's kind of uneven. And uh, But for that, for me, it works. Of course, you know, I do have a affection for it because i saw it a long time ago but uh it is interesting that this is <laughs> this is literally a save the rec center movie <laughs> yeah. or actually it's a uh, kids destroy the rec center <laughs> yeah yeah yeah. Well, right. maybe. <laughs> yeah so it's very interesting to me that the way the way it works and stuff but it is i have to say when i watch both these films and i watch them back to back you know uh, just a day apart that uh you know the similarities between this and together brothers are very interesting and uh I do love the relationship between Carl and the Matt Dillon character in this film and the way that the, uh, I, I mean, I do wish there was a, I wish they maybe would have fleshed out the lady in the rec center more to be more like the Mr. Cool character, but she was kind of hot. Yeah, she was actually. Yeah, I agree with you. There. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> but I, I do enjoy seeing this kind of uh time frame because it does remind me a lot of my youth. I mean, it really does. I, you know, I remember wearing a wristband for no reason. I remember uh, <laughs> Iron Mike Sharp styles again. <laughs> yeah, so I remember that stuff. But I'll kick it over to one of you guys uh, for more. Maybe. Uh, whoever, if you want to go, or I can, I can go. It's, real a, quick it's up you to want. you, man. I'm happy to, but if you want me to, I will. If if, if you don't mind, we'll, you know, that'd be cool. Okay. Go ahead. So yeah, yeah, by all means. Um, I, I was talking about the the, the wonderfully named Tiger Thompson. <laughs> That's what I was mixing up uh, Vincent Spano with. Yes. Um, <clears throat> I think the film, it certainly captures, it has a certain energy, especially in the first half of the film, restlessness. It, it captures kind of youth, and the music works really great. That's mm. shot kind of kinetically. I, I looked at who the DOP was. I think it was Andrew Davis or something. I, I couldn't see what else he's done. The name sounds familiar, but... Yeah, it should. He directed uh, The Fugitive. <laughs> The Fugitive and Chain Reaction with Keanu and oh right and Morgan yeah yeah he ended up That's being right. a uh, big time filmmaker made some big yeah, hits there so, for a while and I, I knew I recognized the name but uh, he also did uh, he also did that Seagal Pam Grier film wasn't uh, oh, oh, above the law or above the law yeah 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 That's he, right he did that one too um, is it above the law. Or is it? I don't know uh, which one know. it is, but it's one but, of those. Uh, I'll <laughs> Under, tell you, I think it's either. Sorry, go ahead. Under the law? I don't know. That sounds awful. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking now, so just go ahead and keep talking. It is above. Yeah, the, yeah. It is above the law. He also did Code of Silence, and which and, is a pretty good Chuck Henry Silver yeah. joint. Yeah. So he did the package. He, 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 he was on a run there for a while. Under Siege was probably his biggest film. Well, no, The Fugitive was. I've his never biggest seen. Film. I've never seen Under Siege actually. Yeah. Ooh, huh. I, I forgot. It's he, pretty good. It, it's yeah. I forgot solid. he. I forgot he did Collateral Damage. That Schwarzenegger film. Oh yeah, yeah. 
Um, one of the kids has a Boston, as in the group, not the city, <laughs> belt buckle in this, and I had yeah. that exact same belt buckle. Nice. Awesome. <laughs> yeah, very cool, man. It was like my dad's, and he gave it to me, and I wore it for years. Um, but I think they do a good job of capturing kind of the energy and the restlessness of youth early on. And I think that the, obviously the soundtrack for this film is wonderful. I'm surprised oh, this yeah. film even made even made it onto DVD with some of the hits that were on it. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, I, I wonder if it'll get a Blu-ray release considering that. But um, it, uh, I, I have to say that if you're going to compare and contrast the 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 soundtrack for this with the the music that was composed for it, the music that's composed for this film is terrible. Yeah, yeah, that and might be so off the mark. It's so off the mark for me. That might be the biggest weakness of the film is the composed oh. music, which I think might be. Don't know for sure, but I'm going to guess that he's a relation to Kaplan because his last name is Kaplan. <laughs> so. Kaplan, yeah, keeping in the fam. Uh, t- you know, they cast Tiger Thompson, but I have to wonder was that only because Jackie Earl Haley wasn't available? <laughs> <laughs> that was the Jackie Earl Haley role, wasn't it? Like a little shit. Yeah, it yeah. was in the in the seventies. <laughs> you're right. Yeah. Oh yeah. And man, those kids were so fucking mouthy, man. Oh my god, I couldn't believe it. And that's what I mean. It was just there was no nuance. Like I can understand some kids are, you know, uh-huh. a little bit kind of salty, uh, but uh, you know, it just it seemed a little bit on the nose on both sides. Um, man, there's one dude. I think it's actually uh, Kramer's dad. He uh, dude's rocking a vest at the car dealership. And he's sweating <laughs> underneath that vest, man. Just I like his is a plaid jacket that he, I mean, like this fucking, you know, like bold white and blue check plaid jacket that he pulls off to, you know, when he's going uh, to pick up the kid. That's uh, actually the music is uh, Jonathan Kaplan's dad. Saul well, Kaplan. He, he, he's not a very good composer. Uh, he might have been out of touch. He was born in 1919. So by the time he did this film, he was already. Oh. 60. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But I think good musician. And Marconi was just, still has an ear. I mean. Yeah. Yeah. No. But you know, well, I, I think the music uh, itself is fine. I just don't think it fits the mood of the film. Yeah, I well, really noticed that yeah, this time around. Really out of, really out of place. But uh, I got to say, man, that one deputy was that like was that like Doctor Phil? Like, <laughs> holy like, yeah. fuck, did he ever look like Doctor Phil, man? Yeah, man, that guy doesn't have yeah. much to do other than just go zero to sixty. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. know, man. I know. Yeah. It's so true. That guy's always just just ranging up, man. It's great. Uh, we get switchblades again, which yes. is great. Um, what does this say? Love the vandalism. Oh, love the vandalism. I don't know. I, I don't know what that says, unfortunately. Um, yeah, you get talked about uh, Matt Dillon's fashion choices, which are pretty astounding. Uh, I, I don't know about you guys. I mean, you guys are a little older than me, but that one that one poor girl made the, the, the ill-advised decision to show up with the Paul Stanley kiss star painted on her eye at the house party. <laughs> Yeah, man. Well, you know, I, that, I, that was, I can't see that ever being attractive. You know, I, 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 <laughs> I went to uh, many a party growing up in my teenage years. Uh, never saw anybody with any kiss makeup, but uh, I can say that I, my best friend growing up, he had an older sister, and she would sometimes go out with kiss makeup on. But it was before I was old enough to go out. You know what I mean? It was like I was still in single digits. You know, so. I always thought it was kind of tacky, though. But Kiss was huge, you know. People loved them, so they, hey, they were huge, man. I think there's even a, like a Kiss poster or something that we saw in Together Brothers or something. I'd noted about Kiss mm-hmm. in there somewhere. Something I'd seen something. I thought it was. Maybe I'm wrong, but um, 
Yeah, Kiss was huge, man. But it was uh, was it the Star Child? Is that what it was? The Star Child? Yeah, yeah, Stanley yeah. was Paul Stanley was the Star Child. Star Child up in the up in the wood paneled basement, man. Yeah. <laughs> so well, you notice uh, yeah. uh, Kiss doesn't appear on the soundtrack. So if if that had, if if they did, then that movie sure would never come out on on, on Blu-ray. Yeah, that's right, man. <laughs> yeah, oh, you know yeah, it exactly, yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> yeah, yes, Gene would be squeezing, man. <laughs> um, oh, there's a great. Uh, very of the timeline when Kramer's dad says to uh, his buddy, he says, let Sandra, because this son comes home, he's been in a fight and with yeah. this final character says, let Sandra take care of that. That's what mothers are for. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm, surprised he, I'm surprised he didn't slap her on the ass as she was going up the stairs. Yeah. His, well, and I, I love that too. Cause that's like, you know, that that's one of those things where, you know, like the, the, father is is genuinely concerned there he's like oh my god what what's happened and everything and his, his buddy's just like ah, you know it's peer pressure whatever a kid's getting fights so what come on just sit down let her deal with it you know well, it, and it, yeah. it what it is is it's, it's the you know those adults it's the adult version of what those teenagers are going through it's the same sure. peer it's the same peer pressure it's the same thing yep. yeah but they figured well i got here so who cares you know yeah. they'll, they'll yeah. Figure it out. yeah the kids will figure, figure it, out. it out yeah after after it's life has taken a piece of them, right? Yep. Unfortunately. Yep. Well, that's um, uh, tell you what. Yeah, <laughs> that's the way it goes. Yeah, sure does. Uh, the rec center as the focal point of a film really is, I think, an antiquated thing. I mean, I guess it's been rejigged for modern purposes, but the literal rec center you don't really see that as much anymore. No. So no. it's very much of the seventies and eighties. Um, I have to say, young young Matt Dillon looks a bit like Justin Bieber. Huh. I, I couldn't help but notice that uh, you know and it's ironic because Dylan plays such a shit in his in some of his young films much like Bieber's a little shit but uh, I, I gotta and I don't fault him he's a 19 year old with lots of money he's a little shithead but I think most 19 year olds yeah. with that kind of money would be shitheads so youth and um, money youth and money are dangerous combination man very and yeah power I mean it's just yeah it's you know um but uh, I got to ask you guys, if, and if any of our listeners know this, because I tried to find it online and I couldn't, Full Metal Jacket and An Officer and a Gentleman are both often credited with, with originating the line, or some variation of the line, in Texas, you know, there's only steers and queers, uh, you know, and this film precedes both of them. I tried to find something that indicated the origin, because it's such a peculiar uh, phrase for me. Um, do you, does any do you, either one of you guys know where that line originated from? I have no idea, but I was I was fully expecting you to go in that with uh, either you guys to go in that from a completely uh, uh, different direction and force that question on me. So. <laughs> yeah, no, <it's> <laughs> which you should have done. You missed a you missed a good a joke there. So. <laughs> oh, I know, man, I know, but it was just I, I just I was baffled. I'm like, oh, I've heard this line often, you know, from little Jack and stuff. And the reality is, I I don't know. I would I put it to our listeners to find out maybe where the first time that's been used. Yeah. I'm going to assume though that it's probably one of those you know sayings that's been around forever. But cinematically, I mean, obviously this came before those two, but yeah, I don't know. I would bet there's something else in the '70s that said that somewhere. But yeah. I might be wrong. This might be the first time. But you know, it's one of those things where you feel like it's one of those quotes that you know it's uh, it's got a life of its own. <laughs> and uh, yeah, yeah, as soon as he said it, I thought of Officer and a Gentleman and Full Metal Jacket. <laughs> oh yeah, what a ridiculous line, man! It is, it is uh, totally ridiculous. Line. Of course, I, I think in, I think an Officer and Gentleman is Oklahoma City. Oklahoma, it's Oklahoma. That's right. Yeah, but yeah. in but in Full Metal Jacket, it's Texas. That's yeah. right. But I think anywhere um, Southwest, it's it's like a line that's it, used. You know? Yeah. Uh, the the kids are suitably young in this film. 
that not, doesn't feel like 20 year olds yeah which i think adds the poignancy and the immediacy of the film right by having them their their age yeah yeah they, the kids feel real and i like also that the girls are not like nowadays if this was made it'd be yeah. it'd be selena gomez and you know it'd be these girls that are in their 20s uh, where the men who would the men who would see it, it wouldn't be teenagers that would see the movie. It'd be grown yeah. men who'd be like, "Yeah, I'd like to bang," you know, uh, Selena Gomez yeah. and shit like that. It would be it would be Spring Breakers. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, which right. is almost a comment on that type of thing, but uh, which I haven't right. seen, but I know that's what Corinne's going for. And this is this is interesting because it's actual teenagers, so they're kind of gaudy, they're kind of uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. I like that the one girl that Matt Dillon tries to make out with, that she's kind of a heavier girl, kind of a very... Exactly, yeah. Yeah, I yeah. like that because that's what teenagers are like. They're not... For sure. They're not mm-hmm. Selena Gomez. They're not these that's pretty... Right. Our culture now is all about pretty. Mm-hmm. And right. it's, it's a real shame because we've lost it track is. of what makes us human beings. I agree wholeheartedly. I agree. Wholeheartedly, uh, Vincent Spano in this looks like Lauren Avedon, like a young Lauren Avedon. <laughs> man, dude, I totally got that good. vibe, man. I totally did. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Him totally. and Avedon need to play brothers in a film. That's true, man. Um, uh, man, I'll tell you what. There's this this one big dude. I think he was a big dude anyway. He was obscured by what he was holding, but there's a fucking huge white tuba at the protest scene. Yeah. <laughs> And what I love about the white tube is during like the chase scene at the end, you see like the white tube running off into the night. Yeah. It's amazing. Well, don't you? Um, I mean, I always bring my tuba to the riot. Yeah, man. It's like a you white know, tuba. Sitting around practicing, and then somebody says, hey, man, there's a riot downtown. I'm like, dude, I'm grabbing the tuba. Yeah, I'm going to go get my tuba. It's like Tommy Lee Jones, man. You're going to go get your tuba. Yeah. I'm going to go get you my tuba. Yeah. You walk, you walk in and say, Rick. You say, Rick, dude, there's a riot downtown. I'll get the tuba. Yeah. <laughs> You get that. You get that sparkle in your eye, and you got the little drum with the uh, band. You know, like uh, Steve McQueen in the uh, Great Escape. You got the little yeah, Yankee Doodle Dandy as we're walking down the street, man. Yeah, man, that's it. Exactly, exactly. Um, uh, bur- 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 bur. What else do you love to touch with? I don't know what that even means. So I can't remember. Uh, that's all my notes, actually. All right, Davy. Um, well, I, you know, I actually, honestly, that, that conversation just went exactly like I was hoping it would go. Cause it's, it's, I think it's, you know, I saw this movie, um, I, I, I did not see it on HBO, but I know I saw it on somebody had taped it. So it's, it's, I assume that, that, I, I mean, I can't remember the exact genesis of that tape, but obviously it was somebody taped it off cable and, you know, and I got a hold of it and it was a, a movie, you know, and I, I probably saw it, um, mid eighties when I was, uh, 16, 17. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm, I'm, I'm your age, Rick. So, okay. um, but, right. but, uh, um, so, you know, kind of same time period and, and, uh, you know, I kind of grew up in a, in a, 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 a pretty small town or in, in this kind of suburb type stuff. And both my parents were professionals and just left me on my own for a lot of it with, you know, kind of the caveat, just like, you know, don't screw up, you know, and, and you can do whatever you want to do. You know, you, you can stay out however late you want to do, you can, you know, you can watch or read or listen to whatever you want to listen to. Just don't, you know, just, you know, don't screw up. And, yeah. and not to say that my parents were neglectful or anything, you know, um, it, it's, uh, they just had their own stuff going on and, you know, and we spent as much time together as we could, but, but, uh, but I was, you know, kind of on my own a lot. And whenever, and seeing this movie was, uh, really was, you know, I mean, it, it kind of, like wowed me, you know, seeing it then. And cause it was like, you know, I, I it was that breath of fresh air that it, it wasn't the Goonies or whatever. It was like kids talking, mm-hmm. like I heard kids talk and, right. and expressing and, and seeing those, 
you know, interactions where it's just the kids together. And like I said, seeing those kind of, you know, those weirdo like power structures that, 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 you know, were created that, that, uh, you know, when, when it's just the kids by, by themselves, you know, that, uh, and, um, you know, it, and it really, you know, it meant a lot to me when, it, when I was younger and watched it a lot. And, and obviously I, this is where I fell in love with cheap, cheap track. They're one of my just all time favorite bands. Um, but, uh, um, you know, and, and as I got older, when, when we moved from that town to uh, to Clear Lake, Texas, where it's it, it's a suburb, and now it's a completely overgrown suburb, but it's uh, um, but where I went to high school, um, it's like the home of, of uh, it's where the Johnson Space Center is. It's like the mission control for NASA, and so there's a lot of the aerospace industry out there. So it's all like kind of you know um, upper middle class professionals, and uh, so and that was a lot. And, and when I got there, you know, I went from a like a class of like 75 people in my classroom where I grew up to a class of 1500 people in, in my class. And, and, uh, I really kind of had that more of that experience of, of kids running wild and, you know, and like that, the scene in it where they go to the party and they're just kind of wandering in and there's just dope and booze and everything everywhere that, you know, I remember kind of seeing this movie again in high school and think, or well, actually whenever, you know, like the first time I actually kind of went out to one of those things, it was like, Holy shit, this is just like this over the edge. <laughs> but, uh, um, <laughs> But, uh, and, and, you know, and I had that similar experience as, as, as you, uh, uh, Sam, that, that, uh, you know, that I, I kind of hung with, you know, I was, I'm an only child and kind of, you know, just always kind of do the loner thing, but, but, uh, was able to hang out with a, a bunch of crowd and, uh, and, you know, started kind of like working in Houston real early. And so I hung out, hung out with older people and, you know, could, had access to, to, uh, I'm mainly just a drinker. I wouldn't, you know, really into the drug angle, but, but, uh, but, uh, but yeah, you know, so, so. That, that kind of, I don't know. Th- this movie kind of really his 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 you know meant, meant a lot to me whenever I was younger because it was it seemed like oh wow that this is kind of what I mean this is actually you know these kids are talking like I talk, you know like people around me talking um, you know and it kind of represents more than like I said the Goonies or something like that but uh, um, but anyway um, but you know uh, looking at it as I'm older you know it, it, it's it's I do kind of see it more from the from the, the parents' perspective, you know, in this one, because it's like, you know, for the most part, Carl's dad's just trying to, I mean, you know, he thinks things are going along well. And, and then at the end of it, when, you know, uh, when, you know, a tragedy occurs and, and uh, uh, Carl is, is estranged from his family or whatever, that, uh, you know, I think it's unfortunate there that, 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 uh, that the ending of it kind of goes off the rails and they don't give him that, that moment. You know, they only give him like three or four lines where he stands up and, at, at a parents meeting just says, you know, you know, what are you talking about? You know, these are our kids. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and it, it, and that actor's great. And uh, I'm blanking on his name, but, um, but, uh, it doesn't give you that moment. You know, it, it, it doesn't kind of, um, you know, cause it, it, it's, I, I like the, the interaction between Carl's, uh, mother and father there. Cause there's one bit where, you know, he brings Carl home from the police station and, and the mother's like, were you hard? You know what, what? What happened? Were you hard on him and everything? And and the dad's like, you know, while he has the J and B bottle in his hand, he's, he's just like, I broke both his legs, honey. You know, and and, and he's kind of like, you know, he was stern with the kid, you know. And at one point, he strikes the kid, which is you know wrong, but but uh, um, that kind of sets things in motion. But uh, but you know, it's it's I, I do kind of see it from the parents' perspective of, of that, you know, that you made a mistake. Yeah, you didn't. You know, I, I I just you know we thought everything was going good, and yeah, we of course we got to get rid of these drugs, but they're not addressing the problem. What's going wrong? You know, so um, 
And, you know, and one of the things I, I was thinking about, like the uh, another comparison between these two movies. And I, I, again, I know they're going for two different things, but it's it's like in it kind of plays against convention because in, in uh, Together Brothers, you've got this, you know, these, uh, you know, uh, black youth in, you know, this total, you know, impoverished situation and nobody cares. Nobody wants to help them, but all they're trying to do is the right thing. And, and they're they're looked at as criminals to begin with. I mean, they're they're gang members that are you know on the police's radar. Uh, but and then in in uh, over the edge, it's like oh, we're white suburban punks, and you know, uh, yeah, we don't have a roller rink, so yeah, we're gonna blow shit up. <laughs> so it's kind of like this. That that was one one of those things that whenever I was choosing it, I thought about that kind of comparison. And again, I know they're the two movies are trying to say say different things, and they're totally different genres and stuff. But uh, but that was one kind of comparison that, that I was thinking about. But yeah. Anyway. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Um, again, that's that's kind of the the conversation that I, I, I was I was looking forward to. So um, thanks. But um, yeah, and you know, for me, it's like those kids that, that they did use those fourteen year olds and and not your typical looking kids and everything. It's I think um, I'm trying to remember what uh, episode. Oh no, it was when you guys were talking about Bad Boys uh, a while back, the Sean Penn movie. Um, I think well, you'd said uh, you know, this isn't like uh, Gabriel. Carteris in 90210, you know, a 35 year old playing a sophomore, you know, mm-hmm. it's like these are kids, you know, and that's right, um, you know, and, you know, being Dylan's first thing and, and probably that Carl kid's first thing, it's like they, they really do have to, you know, do some heavy lifting acting wise and, and, and I think they pull it off. But, uh, um, yeah, music's great. Uh, yeah. Oh, well, one thing I was going to, I was going to say about Vincent Spano in that, that, uh, Vice Magazine article, he goes on to this thing about, yes, well, I, I uh, I chose the uh, coonskin cap because it uh, symbolizes the, um, you know, the real rebels of the West that, you know, people that went out there and tried to expand things. And I was just like, I'm reading, I'm like, you know, BS, dude, you were wearing Bullshit, a coonskin yeah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's right. Man. But um, uh, I don't know. There's a lot of lines in it that I think are, are pretty hilarious. But uh, um, I'm just trying to think. Uh, at one point, they uh, refer to uh, a... Uh, room in the uh, high school as the cafetorium, which I thought was very of its time. Um, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you got a uh, car explosion. Um, oh yeah, oh yeah, <laughs> uh, uh, several. Um, uh, the comb in the back pocket. That, that yes, might be a lesser known GGTMC from from the Trump. But, uh, it's been replaced um, by the iPhone in the back pocket nowadays. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I love. There's a little kind of throwaway gag that, that Matt Damon gets to do three or four times where. He's constantly telling the same story about, yeah, my mom said that, you know, and he's like incorrigible and he always gets incorrigible wrong and somebody has to correct him. But uh, that's, that's a funny little thing. Um, But I don't know. Yeah, man, it's, I I do, I do still like this movie quite a bit, but uh, if you want to do a ratings, that's, that's cool. All All right. Um, I make a break for this one is that i really do like that spanel and uh, Carl scene, the Kramer scene, the uh, actor that plays uh, Carl. <laughs> Michael Kramer, as Will said, um, but I do really like that scene. It's a very small scene; it's very short, but it's actually very poignant and uh, kind of the turning point of the film, I think, in some ways. Um, uh, my MVT for this one, I'm going to go with uh, Kaplan. I, I like Kaplan's touch with this one. Uh, it's all over the map, but uh, also I should say I didn't say this in my notes, but I do love seeing the Orion credits. So awesome to see those Orion credits. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, totally. Really reminds me of my youth, you know. <laughs> but uh, yeah. but I do like Kaplan a lot uh, in any way, and this is another one of his uh, 
you know, like I say, he made, you know, he made some solid films. We talked about Truck Turner, we talked about White Line Fever, and we talked about the Slams, and all of them are solid, entertaining films. And uh, I would still say that Truck Turner's probably still my favorite of his, but for me, this runs a close second. I really adore, I really adore this one. Um, but again, it speaks to me in a lot of ways and what my youth was like. So uh, not that I was this uh, juvenile delinquent, but uh, yeah, I did hang out at the rec center. No. <laughs> But, uh, you know, yeah, I, I, I like what Kaplan did here, and it's a very simple story and uh, told well. Um, my score, I'll go 8.5, 8.5 out of 10. A little, little bit above Together Brothers, but these films are both very similar in what they gave me. And, uh, yeah, man, just really enjoyed watching both of them. Cool. Nice. Very nice. Uh, my Make or Break is also the, the fireside uh uh, scene with uh, Kramer and Spano, I thought it was great. I've I've toggled between saying Spano and Spano in this review, um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I thought it was great. Um, uh, my MVT for this, gosh, uh, I'm going to go with the the. Uh, I didn't go with it with um, with the last review, but I'm going to say the cast. I think the cast equipped themselves well, having been able to some, some frustration and some emotion and. Some raw stuff, um, you know, specifically the, the the youth cast, the youth portion of the cast. So we give them a little more to do. So they're my MVT. My score is a seven out of ten. Um, I think some of the stuff's a little too broad stroke. Um, you know, I didn't. Uh, I, I think I said it, it. It doesn't speak to me as much. I didn't see it as as young an age. That certainly would factor in if it did. But again, I thought it was a, an interesting look. And I think just for me. There was a few missed opportunities as far as what they they could have done with the film, but on the whole, I'm really glad I saw it because it is uh, it is a really interesting film that um, you know, wouldn't get made today. It's a time capsule. I mean, the the problems are timeless, but uh, it's a time capsule in, in other ways certainly. But uh, yeah, very very good stuff. I'm glad we we programmed this. Well, not we. I'm glad we we, we got the benefit of uh, Davies' double programming. Yes. Um, well, I, I was going to say uh, first off that uh, if, if anybody, you know, I mean, if, if uh, you're a fan of this movie and or if you know you're watching it or whatever, you want to know more about it. Um, there's this uh, I mentioned a couple times. There's Boss Magazine article that's called "Over the Edge: Oral History of the Greatest Teen Rebellion Movie of All Time." Uh, that's you know readily available on the internet. Just um, you know, look up Boss Magazine or just type in "Over the Edge Vice," and it, it's really I'm worth. Gonna, it. I'm going to post it on the group here, Davey. Okay, while you're talking. Cool, um, but uh, my uh, my make or break for it, um, it, it it's just a it's a cool overview from both the production side and like how they cast it and you know uh, personal uh, you know it's 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 an oral history so uh, good stuff um, but uh, my uh, MVT of it or I'm sorry my make or break is uh, actually that just opening bit with uh, Spano uh, committing a violent act and then. Uh, as they're fleeing, uh, it's, you know, he's got his coonskin cap on and him and his buddy are just like pumping their bikes up this hill and, uh, um, hello there, about you trick just starts blaring as the credit, as, as the credits roll. Yeah. And it's, it's like, for me, I, I'm just like, I'm in, <laughs> I can remember, you know, like the first time I, I saw that thinking that. So that's, that's, uh, my make or break. But, uh, my MBT is, is the cast as well. I, you know, I, again, I just think that, that it, it's something, you know, that, Seeing it uh, when I did, at, you know, at the age I, I was and everything, it was kind of like that, just fresh. And I'm like, oh man, this is, you know, these are, you know, these are kids talking like kids talk, and and uh, and just the kind of 
you know, no bullshit essence of, of that. Yeah. Uh, really, it, it still really responds to me. And, you know, and again, like, you know, we talked about, I, I think that, that uh, it steps wrong with uh, having uh, Perry Northrup, uh, the, the cop, being so aggressive. It's like they, they just could have, I mean, it wouldn't have, you wouldn't have had to change much just to, to, to tone him down a little bit and still be that kind of authority that, that kind of, you know, a little bit unyielding authority, but, but still just like, dude, you're running up against it, you know, <laughs> you know, and, and this is what's going to happen if you do, you know, so, um, but, uh, but still, I like the movie. Um, my, my rating is going to be the same as, as Sam's. It's, it's an 8.5. I mean, it, it's just a, uh, um, you know, been a long-term favorite that that's, you know, meant different things to me at different times in my life. And, uh, and yeah, I, I'm so glad that, that you guys like both these movies. It, it just makes me very, very happy. Nice. I also want to, you know what I, this reminded me of this, this kind of failed, uh, suburban planning is it reminded me of the Salton sea a little bit, like yeah. it's kind of wasteland with just kind of concrete and desert. And I don't know. It just, uh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, the salt you know, and salt, the salt and sea. Uh, I don't know if you're talking about the film, or are you just talking about the the air, the actual area, of the yeah, salt the and sea, area. which was was they had this man-made lake, and it was going to be this great fucking tourist spot, and it uh, yeah, it didn't go <laughs> that way at all. No. And now there's a lot of kind of marginalized, uh, disaffected people living there. So yeah, yeah it's it very interesting. It's very interesting. Uh, also, it should be said that this film we didn't mention it in the thing. I don't know if we did, but it's actually. The film's kind of based on actual events. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, that's right. It was uh, based on, an, uh, I think, either a series of articles or a, a piece done by, um, uh, I can't remember the guy's name, Haas, or was Haas a screenwriter? Well, Haas was a screenwriter, but there was a, a myth for a long time that Haas actually Haas, wrote, wrote yeah. the, 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 the uh, article, but he did not write the article. He read the article and kind of based the screenplay it's, on it. It's talked about and it's tagged in that that uh, Vice article. So, um, yeah. so uh, uh, yeah, so you can... Uh, I think I'm, I'm pretty sure it's hot linked in there, so you could go yeah. read that. But there's big excerpts of it, and I believe they talked to both the uh, they talked to the author as well. So, mm-hmm. all right, so that is the big show. That is everything. I'm sure we don't have time for pleasantries. I see the time on my computer, so I know we do not. Yeah, uh, I, I guess it's been a sad reality lately. But you know, all the people that we support and check out, uh, please go to check yes. them out. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> Um, uh, I don't know what we're doing next week right now. Do we know? We don't know what we're doing. Flying by the seat of our, our leather pants. Yeah, we're, we're, we're literally flying by the seat of our pants anymore. Uh, let's, let's, uh, lack of our pants. I'm trying to see when was the uh, one, two, three. Actually, it's diabolic time. Oh, boy. This is going to be a good one. Yeah, it's diabolic time next week because it's been... Four weeks, yeah. This will be the fourth show between uh, uh, the last one, so yeah, it's diabolic time, brah. Nice. Okay, so then I'll say we're programming because it was yeah. my pick. Yep. Um, so yeah, it was my pick, and uh, we're going to be um, digging into two very different films. Uh, the first film is a film that I adore that I don't think you've seen yet. It's from two thousand eight. Been meaning to see it. Have not ever watched yeah. it. Yeah. Cannot wait for you to see this. It's it's uh, I think a masterpiece. Uh, it is 2008's Matteo Groni Criterion Blu-ray of Matteo of Matteo Groni of Gamora. Nice. Look at uh, Naples and uh, the Camorra and the ills that uh, that city has felt under the grip of organized crime. Can't wait. So that's going to be amazing, and equally as amazing, but in a different way. <laughs> we get uh, I think the GGTMC debut of an actress that we both adore. 
and I think it's at the GDTMC debut of an actor we both had. No, he's been on the show once before. Yes, he has, actually. Yeah. <laughs> he's a couple Does times, actually. Well, no, 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 no. That's right. One time. Just the because, once. Yeah. Just the once. We're going to be getting into the wonderful world of, um, of uh, an aerobics instructor being possessed by the spirit of an in- evil ninja. We're going to be getting into Ninja <laughs> 3. We're skipping one and two. Awesome. Ninja 3, the domination, the Shell Factory Blu-ray. Nice. It's going to be Ninja 3 and Gamora. Sweet. It's going to be cool. awesome. So, yeah, we'd yeah. like to thank Dalek Bog DVD for those selections. And, Davey, we'd like to thank you so much for coming on the show, supporting the show, and being part of our wonderful community. Uh, well, thank you so much, man. I, it, it means so much to me. And I, I, I got to say, I had a, I just had a wonderful time this morning. Thank you so much. Nice. Glad you had a good time. Davey, <laughs> yeah, you're, you're, you're a great person. I mean, you know, we talk about great people in our community, but you're a prince among princes, man. Like I was telling uh, Aaron last night, you know how much uh, how much I like you and, and how what a wonderful person I think you are. Just a quality dude that knows a lot about knows a lot of, a lot about a lot of cool guy things like cars and barbecue and sports and guns and films and but never comes off as kind of uh, know it all like always very um, open with his knowledge and, and wants to share with with the community. And I think you know you're, you're just you're a wonderful person and we're, we're uh, really glad to have you. On. <laughs> Thank you so much. You're gonna you're gonna make me cry, but no, um, but uh, but no, I, I, I it, it means so much to me. I mean, yeah, again, I, I just I can't help but thank you guys for your uh, for for creating what you created because it's uh, um, it's been a, a big thing for me and and uh, you know and like I said, I just made you know what I feel to be uh, a lot of close friends and and uh, and just you know have a great time every week. So it's 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 a big deal for me. So thanks. Nice, awesome. All right, with that, guys. We will see you next week, and I will say adios. 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 Thanks for listening. You can find the gentleman at ggtmc.com. You can call the gentleman at 206-666-5207. And you can email the gentleman at midnightcinema at gmail.com. 